Ken. Robert, uh, you're welcome. There are a lot of people who thought you were dead. Um, yes, and I, I, <laughs> I'm very thankful that they are wrong, but I uh, did get a lot of cards and a lot of letters and uh, faxes because we did have an incident uh, this last summer that uh, scared everybody, my family and uh, myself, but uh, um, I'm still around, still uh, getting into some trouble, but there are just some topics that I avoid. But uh, thank everybody who called and sent cards and... Uh, uh, I'm still here, thankfully. The person who sent this fax put accident in quotes. Do you still put it in quotes? Uh, yes, I do. Again, um, unless you want to uh, talk about the incident, it was, it was scary. The timing was highly coincidental. Uh, very briefly, again, we released some material on the uh, Templar Knights based on some new material that was given to us from uh, uh, Europe. And... Uh, I submitted a report to a magazine in Europe. The package didn't get there, and within 48 hours, I found myself in an argument with an automobile, and uh, the automobile won. But uh, you held a fairly low profile since then. Uh, absolutely, I don't make uh, public appearances anymore. Um, I only have two events scheduled this next year. I uh, survived through uh, our works, our books, and uh, the support of a lot of uh, your listeners, as a matter of fact. So we don't make appearances. Uh, low profile, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, tell the audience, if you would, because a lot of them don't know you now. We have a big new audience. A little bit about your background. Well, I am full-blooded Native American. I am half Hopi, half Apache. Mm -hmm. I have spent uh, most of my professional career as a dancer-performer. I've had the uh, good fortune to uh, have a dance troupe. I have performed with them in Australia, New Zealand, all over the United States. I have personally been able to uh, travel the United States, Mexico. Uh, I've had the good fortune to appear in some movies, do some commercials. So. My career has been as a professional performer, as a dancer, but uh, the benefit of being able to do this is that I have been able to spend time with elders from different tribes as well as other indigenous peoples. In Australia, I was very fortunate to be able to spend time with Aborigine elders and Maori elders in some of their ceremonies and uh, traditional events. And this uh, the story of mine is rather lengthy, but essentially... My life uh, as a performer has uh, sustained my research, and uh, I think as a lot of your listeners have probably found themselves in the same situation, I've always wanted answers for myself. Which religion, which way of life, which discipline right. um, you know, has the answers and makes the most sense. So my performance career has allowed me to interact with other elders, with indigenous peoples, and to continue my research into the world's oldest religion. That's, that was my ideal. As a result, I have, of course, had to study uh, Egyptian hieroglyphs, uh, petroglyphs, cuneiforms. I have traveled all over the Southwest examining petroglyphs, studying the uh, cosmology of Native Americans and the Native peoples across the globe. And uh, uh, basically, I must tell you uh, and your listeners that while I am Native American, I do not speak for any tribe. I'm not a representative. I'm not an elder. I'm not a shaman. I, I have no status. I am an individual. Um, I jokingly refer to myself as a nobody, not that I'm denigrating myself, but 
I, I frankly don't have the credibility and the credentials perhaps that some other researchers have, but I am very proud of my work. I, I uh, will stand on it, and uh, many of your listeners, as I say, have been very supportive and very kind. Uh, I, I am very proud of my family, what we have done. It stands on its own. So my career has been as a dancer-performer, but my passion and uh, where I am today is because of the research, trying to get answers out of very ancient records, and in particularly the petroglyphs and uh, symbology of the different religions across the globe. All right, Robert, um, I think that e even though you may classify yourself as a nobody, you're not a nobody. You have a public profile, and I would imagine for that reason that Hopi, Apache elders, others speak to you for that reason, uh, if they want to get word out, I would imagine they would consider you at the very least to be a way to do that. Um, I am very fortunate, yes. I, I have contacts in uh, Australia with Aborigines, uh, New Zealand with Maoris. I do uh, have contacts in the United States. For a couple of years, I worked with Encyclopedia Britannica and was able to travel the country with an exhibit. And so I do have contacts. I'm, I'm very fortunate in that regard, yes. Um, all right. I, a little bit of history of, for example, Hopi prophecy. Um, how accurate has Hopi prophecy been? Well, uh, that's one of the reasons that I, I'm uh, here this evening. And again, I have to thank you because um, as some of your listeners, and, and I'm very thankful that uh, you remembered uh, a while back I had on your program, predicted that after the appearance of Hale-Bopp that we should see a companion. We should see uh, yet another body, uh, according to Hopi prophecy, that would be appearing sometime after this uh, long-tailed comet. And uh, lo and behold, in the last uh, couple of weeks or so, uh, you have this phenomena of the companion. So um, there are numerous Hopi prophecies and uh, prophecies from other Native American tribes as well but the Hopi prophecies, which uh, can be very specific, seem to be uh, fulfilling themselves uh, because of this uh, comet Hale-Bopp and now because of its companion. So the accuracy of the comets, excuse me, of the prophecies, um, I would say they're remarkably high. So now, would I, and I can give you that one. There's no question about it. How long ago was it? Was it about a year ago, it seems, uh, that you made such a prediction? Yes, it was uh, shortly after the uh, appearance of Hale-Bopp. We had actually, in Australia, a couple of years earlier, I'm sorry, three years earlier, we had predicted that there would be a long-tailed comet that would appear before the turn of the century. That was just an estimate. Uh, I had mixed emotions when uh, the comet Hale-Bopp was announced to the world because, uh, gee, guys, you know, in our research, we did it, family, and at the same time, it's like, Oh, my God, uh, <laughs> guys, the, the prophecies are real here. And so uh, after we, we predicted Hale-Bopp, or at least a long-tailed comet, years ago, but then when Hale-Bopp appeared, uh, the next uh, step in the progression was a companion. And so, yes, it was uh, probably in August when we began to predict, and I think it was in August when I spoke to you, we predicted then that we should be seeing a companion sometime shortly thereafter. <laughs> well, uh, you're right. There's been a raging controversy about this whole thing. And uh, I've got a number of photographs, quite a number now, up on the website 
I presume you've had an opportunity to see a few. Yes, I've been uh, I've been following your website and the photographs quite carefully. I just got uh, the last set within the last couple of hours, and uh, I, I understand that you read a fax that I sent you yesterday, and I, I have to take a moment here just to say that uh, on an intellectual level, I have to admit that there is a possibility that we are all wrong. I'm not a professional astronomer. I, I'm not out peering at the uh, comet Hale-Bopp all the time, as some others may have the opportunity. I am subject, as I think a lot of people, including yourself, we're subject to what we get from astronomers, amateur right. and or professional. Exactly right. And um, I, 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 in my facts to you, what I said was that, that uh, if on a worst-case scenario that you and Mr. Shramick have made an error... Uh, and if it is an error, um, it was an honest error. But because of the announcement, because of what the two of you have done, I think that the world as a whole has taken a much closer look at the comet Hale-Bopp. And this is absolutely, I think, uh, a very significant uh, heavenly body. And so, um, Art, I thank you, and I thank Mr. Shramick. Whether it is an error or not, I do believe that you are... Uh, owed a, uh, a <laughs> gratitude and thanks for drawing our attention to the Hale-Bopp. Now, having intellectually said that it is possible that you are both wrong. Well, now, let me stop you okay. before you go on. It's not just Chuck Schrammick and Art Bell. It's about ten separate photographs, maybe more than that now, uh, from other sources, including the Hubble telescope. Uh, well, there, there's got to be at least ten photographs up there aside from Chuck Schrammick's. And, and you're correct. My the, the starting point, I believe, for the companion phenomena had to have been Chuck Mr. Schrammick and Mr. Bell. Absolutely. And that's why I extend you the thanks because you started the ball rolling. As I was going to say, having intellectually said you might have made a mistake, I also now have to say to you that having seen not only your photographs, but other photographic evidence from other websites and from other sources. Right. Um, I, I cannot see how anyone can say there isn't something there. Precisely. And uh, I think the evidence speaks for itself. Um, I think uh, I, for one, I am caught because I can't explain what is going on there. I'm not a professional astronomer, but there is something there. Now, um, hopefully sometime during the program, I would like to present you a, uh, a model that was given to us by a, uh, a physicist in, of all places, India, who has given us a model that I suggest can explain what is going on with the comet Hale-Bopp and the companion. But I, I don't want to miss this point here. You and Mr. Shramick started, let's call it the controversy, but uh, in, in that regard, I have to thank you, Ark, and I have to thank Mr. Shramick. Now, um, I cannot see how anyone can deny that there is something out there. We're getting too many sources, and even if Mr. Shramick had made a horrendous mistake in the beginning, he opened the door, sure and did. that alone deserves gratitude. I, I have to tell you, I felt so bad at the overwhelming response. I mean, it was so vehement <laughs> uh, after he made his announcement. I, I was not surprised that he uh, was not uh, able to be reached for a period of time. My goodness. Um, 
it, it was almost as if uh, he had trampled on the sacred ground of someone who believed he owned the comet. And I just, uh, I felt very badly about it. But uh, I just want to give Mr. Shramick uh, my my thank you and my gratitude for opening the door to what I, again, suggest is a very significant event. Uh, very significant indeed. And uh, even on the Hale-Bopp webpage itself, there is a photograph uh, on our webpage now, uh, along with all the others, of two identical, uh, identically bright objects side by side. And we pulled that from the Hale-Bopp website uh, itself. And it is one of many, many, many photographs that no matter how you feel about this controversy, you absolutely just can't ignore. There is something there. Now, it may be, there may be a perfectly good scientific explanation for why something is there in many photographs and not there in many other photographs. I don't know what it is. I just do a talk show. I just know it's there. Well, that's right, and, and I think that that's one of the uh, the contradictions of, of uh, the people that are involved in, let us say, the other side, because there's something there even on their website. The yeah. evidence is there, and yeah. so... I just, I am amazed at the uh, uh, retaliation that the two of you suffered, and uh, I, I cannot say enough. Thank you guys for uh, getting the ball going. Thank you very much. Well, all right, ba thank you. Uh, back in uh, August, you predicted the companion, but there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, event one on your sheet, and I've got it here, the events of the procession. The parade will begin with the appearance of the twins. That's correct. Um, if, just very quickly for your listeners, what I uh, tried to do for you was to uh, essentially very simply put together, according to the Hopi prophecies, the progression of uh, the heavenly bodies that, that our research indicates would occur. The heavenly procession, as I, I termed it, does begin with a pair of twins. Uh, the twins in uh, both the Hopi prophecy and other southwestern tribes, um, there are many, many uh, old descriptions of who or what the twins are. But the descriptions are relatively clear. Two heavenly bodies who are twins. My initial reaction uh, when the comet Hyakutake appeared mm -hmm. was that it was one of the twins. And that the comet Hale-Bopp, which was actually found just prior to, that the comet Hale-Bopp, because of its extraordinary tail, because the, the tail just simply could not exist in the place that it was found. The uh, the physics and dynamics of uh, co uh, excuse me of comets does not permit such a lengthy tail when it was discovered. So all right, in in prophecy, we're we're looking for something called the long-tailed comet. Now, I can say this. Hale-Bopp, uh, about April or so, if it uh, fulfills expectations, could cover as much as one quarter of the sky. Now, that, by any measure, is a long-tailed comet. That's correct. And so that is one of the first things that drew our attention to uh, the comet Hale-Bopp. It had an extraordinary long tail. And the long-tail comet, I have in the past referred to it as the Comet of Prophecy, because it is the event that essentially seals the prophecy. It confirms that the progression, the procession, has actually begun. 
And uh, one of the Hopi prophecies, for example, uh, describes uh, quite lengthily the comet Hale-Bopp, excuse me, the long-tailed comet and how it should behave. Uh, certainly there are numerous anomalies about the comet Hale-Bopp. Uh, from the supposed course corrections, whether they are internal or external, it is not acted like a natural comet. It has not had some of the natural gases that we would expect in a comet. They are not present. It is far too bright uh, in its orbit, uh, in the position that, it, that it's at. It is far too bright. I'm sure that you have discussed these things over and over. Many but, times. But the anomalies and the mysteries about Hale-Bopp certainly have to draw our attention to this very mysterious uh, long-tailed comet. And even in Hopi prophecy, and again, I'm not a representative for the Hopi. This is my interpretation from my own experience in the research. The long, <coughs> pardon me, the long-tailed comet is a comet that is also surrounded in great mystery. All right, ho hold it right there. Great mystery is where we'll pick it up. Uh, my guest is Robert Morningsky. We're at the bottom of the hour, and we'll be right back. This is CBC. Back now, it is indeed an honor to have with us this morning Native American Robert Morning Sky, and we're going to talk about Hopi prophecy. And I just want to say one thing, and that is there are many new photographs on the webpage. Additional photographs and links to take a look at um, a Hail Bop and what we call Hail Mary, <laughs> or the companion, if you will. Uh, so by all means, go, uh, go up there and take a look. Also, I just received a fax from Chuck Schrammick in Houston, listening to the program, and to Robert. And he says, simply, please pass my thanks to Robert for the kind words. Uh, by the way, there are photographs of Chuck Schrammick, who reminds me of me, on the webpage. You will see him, uh, a very young Chuck Schrammick, at his ham radio. You will see an older Chuck Schrammick. And uh, you will also see a photograph of the telescope that began all of this, a very non-trivial telescope that uh, Chuck has. At any rate, uh, back now to Robert Morningsky. Robert? Yes, sir. Thank you. And uh, thank you very much, Mr. Schrammick. I mean, uh, I know what it's like to be on the uh, receiving end, and so uh, I, I just thank you very much for uh, opening the door. Very kind. Uh, how, may I inquire, Robert, how Hopi prophecy is divined? A lot of, a lot of the rest of us out here don't know. Well, uh, that is uh, one of the misnomers that, or at least one of the misconceptions, I'm sorry, that, that people have about uh, particularly Hopi prophecy. It is truly not based on uh, uh, a de uh, divining prophecy, excuse me, prediction, uh, psychic ability, uh, paranormal ability. In fact, what we have discovered, and this is generally true for the prophecies of most of the ancients, is that prophecy is based on recognizing a pattern. For example, if we were to present you with the uh, uh, pattern 2468, right. you should be able to predict the number 10, and that's because you've seen a pattern. You bet. Uh, contrary to what a lot of our official scientists are saying, the ancient ones did record many events over thousands and thousands of years, and they have recognized a, a certain pattern. So Hopi prophecy is based on the records of ancient ones, the Anasazi and others, 
who have predicted or at least recorded uh, in the past A, B, C, now D, and they passed it on through the generations. And so what uh, we are looking at is not uh, a psychic prediction, but rather the repeating of a pattern that was established thousands of years ago. So essentially what I am saying is that the long-tail comet, and at this point I am still persuaded that it is the comet Hale-Bopp, the long-tail comet made an appearance many thousands of years ago. It was preceded by the twins, and then, uh, you know, as the procession continues, Bahana and the Purifier. So prophecy is based on recorded patterns, uh, and not necessarily psychic. Now, I understand that there are uh, some people who are aware of the ability of many uh, medicine men and shamans to uh, have vision. That is altogether different. Uh, Hopi prophecy has been written down, it's been recorded on stone, and is literally hundreds of years old. So it's, it's based on patterns. All right, well, that, that's very important to understand because... Uh, we have in our world Nostradamus, Edgar Casey, the sleeping prophet, and it's important to know that uh, Hopi prophecy is not arrived at, I won't use the word divine, arrived at in the same way, uh, but is a much uh, like a study of history, really. It's just history and, uh, gosh, divining from history the next logical occurrence. Exactly. It, it is, a, as a matter of fact, it is a, a form of ancient history of records and recognizing a mathematical or a series, a progression, a pattern. All right. Um, after the long-tailed comet, Bahana, the great white companion, will appear with the purifier. Help That's me right. out. Help, help me out with this one. What does okay. all that mean? Well, the um, the Hopi prophecy that this uh, the, the basis of this uh, prophecy is a relatively lengthy story that talks about um, two brothers who are given the task of caring for the Hopi people and Earth in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, the younger brother is ordered, instructed by the Great Spirit to remain behind with the Hopi people and with Earth and to take care of it, and to measure his steps, to walk the land, to discover all there is to know about Mother Earth. The older brother is instructed to go to a specific point, a specific destination. Now, he is not given a task, only that he must go to this point, and as soon as he reaches it, he must immediately return. That sentence alone, that statement, is very indicative of an orbit. To go to a point and to immediately return suggests to me at least that this is a heavenly body with an orbit. The return of this great white companion, and this is where I must tell you I, I do differ with the interpretation of some of the elders on the Hopi reservation. And I do this with great respect. I am not trying to cause trouble. But it is my suggestion that the literal interpretation of Bahana is great white companion. The general consensus of the Hopi elders now is that Bahana is literally a great white brother. And they interpret it as a physical human being, a living, breathing person, and in general, uh, described to be the President of the United States. So essentially, 
Uh, Mr. Clinton is the great white huh. brother. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and uh, it sounds amusing now that I say it, but... Um, well, he just returned for another four. Yes, well, he's a great white, but I'm not sure. Brother <laughs> Bob, well, all right. Yes, and the the prophecies suggest that when the great white brother returns, when Bahana returns, uh -huh. that he would be accompanied by another figure known as the Purifier. When he returns... Wouldn't be Al Gore, would it? <laughs> oh, uh -huh. uh, I can't touch that one. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um... When the uh, Bahana returns, it is said that he would pause to find out what kind of reception he would receive from the younger brother and the Hopi people. Mm -hmm. If the world would accept the Bahana and, and would treat him in the old ways, if they would receive him in the traditional fashion, then Bahana would return, there would be peace, there would be uh, fruitful life, there would be uh, essentially happiness, happiness forever. However, should Bahana return and in his pausing moment, uh, should he find that the Hopi, that the people of Earth have lost their old ways, that they have lost connection with the tradition, mm -hmm. then he would send the purifier... Uh, in to cleanse the earth to eliminate the, in quotation marks, bad people. Uh -oh. Now, the purifier, and I'm just giving you a very sketchy description, uh, is to be recognized because he is going to be cloaked in red. Now, the, the prophecy doesn't specifically tell us that he is dressed uh, in red, but that he is cloaked in red. Okay. So... We have these two figures who are the purifier and Bahana who are supposed to um, manifest the day of purification. The um, Well, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. uh, you are an observer of society, as I am. Um, if um, Bahana is the one that will observe... Yes, he, uh -huh. he, he is the one that's going to come back and make the decision as to whether or not the earth uh, needs to be cleansed or not. Well, if Bahana had to make his decision, or its decision, now, uh, how do you think things would go for us? Well, you know, let me, uh, let me take a moment here. Let me read you some of my notes on additional prophecies, and, uh, and let me let you and your listeners... Make a decision on what Bahana would do now. All right. Now, you're going to love this very, very first statement. This is, these are additional little corollaries within the Hopi prophecy. And one of the signs of the end of time mm -hmm. is that time will seem to move faster. Now, I have to tell you, <laughs> sir, that uh, one of the first uh, encounters that I had with you, we talked about the quickening. You betcha. And this is a definite signal. It is spelled out very clearly in Hopi prophecy that this is exactly what occur would occur. Time will seem to move faster. I will again leave it to you and the listeners to, to decide whether or not this is occurring. It almost does not require comment. Exactly. Um, uh, another cor corollary. Any major changes in nature are a sign of the end of time. Now, these major changes could be things like uh, the shifting of land, which means earthquakes. Oh, by, by the way, uh, as we go down the litany here, there was a 6.6 .6 earthquake 
earlier today. Uh, that's a big one. In the mid-Atlantic, it is the second six-plus earthquake in two days in the mid-Atlantic, uh, along the mid-Atlantic ridge between Africa and South America. Just thought I'd throw that in. Well, it, it fits in. Uh, earthquakes, uh, unnatural diseases, airborne diseases. In other words, are we experiencing things which are not natural? Are we seeing something that, uh, for example, seems to be mutations? For example, the right. AIDS virus and these other oh, things. Uh, let me give you one again. Uh, yesterday, I read it here on the air, a new bug, uh, Robert, that not only is resistant to penicillin, but eats it up, likes it actually uses it and uh, metabolizes uh, penicillin as food. <laughs> uh, that, that's a very difficult one for me to, to comment on, but again, it, it, I mean, it fits the scenario absolutely. It, it, well, let me continue. Sure, um, I'll, I'll just stop you when I see specific That's evidence. all right. No, I mean, uh, these are the kind of things that I really do appreciate, both you and other people who are giving, giving, these, uh, giving us these comments, because we are trying to amass the evidence to say, look, folks, here's the prophecy, here's what is happening, what do you think? Mm. Um, interestingly, uh, one of the corollaries in the prophecy says that the uh, waters at the poles will be released by two twin guardians and most certainly we've already begun experiencing the greenhouse effect there's a great deal of concern about the melting of the water at the poles uh, we, re we received a fax from uh, an individual who said that a uh, crack in the ice at the south pole has been discovered it appears that really? it is breaking away now that i have not heard now and, you're dropping uh, one on me a crack in the ice a crack the in the ice at the oh, south man. pole has occurred it is wide enough, apparently, that you can uh, uh, float a ship through it, and uh, the ice is very slowly slipping into the waters. Now, it does not look like it's going to float away. It looks like it's just simply going to melt. So well, now, actually, I did hear of some scientists. In fact, I had the, uh, the radio transmissions who were astounded at something that was going on at the South Pole with regard to the ice. Exactly, exactly. And, and uh, we had a confirmation from two sources, so... Um, what we need to consider, if, if, the, if the prophecies are correct in suggesting that water will be released from the poles, um, again, your listeners uh, probably have their own sources, and uh, I would suggest uh, choose for yourself if, if you think this is happening. One other little Mother Nature note here, and I wonder if you've heard about this. Number one, all over the U.S., Canada, even Japan, they're finding deformed frogs, frogs with all kinds of extra legs and... Um, uh, yeah. Frogs with um, eyes in their throat, that sort of horrible, deformed thing. And then there was a there, there was a headline in the Las Vegas Review Journal about two or three weeks ago that said the carp in of all places Lake Mead, which uh, is the drinking supply for Las Vegas and uh, much of Southern California down line. Lake Mead has deformed carp. Exactly, and and I, I was uh, I'm astounded. I I have to tell you, Arthur, so many times. When we have been putting out these prophecies, we've been talking about it. We've made predictions in some of our appearances in the past, and they're coming to fruition, and the people are saying, what kind of psychic ability are you using? What is happening? Folks, this isn't psychic ability. I am using the patterns, the very words, and the prophecies themselves. Um, we'll toss one more corollary out there. Uh, the prophecy says that in the end times, when Bahana and the purifier arrive, one of the things that, that will occur is that men in general, and now I've got to tell you that it specifically says men. 
Mm-hmm. Men will ignore the words of the wise. Um, <laughs> regardless of whether the wise is considered to be a book, a tradition, or simply experienced elders, mm-hmm. I would suggest that we are getting further and further away from uh, the respectful listening that we once showed to our elders, whether they be Native American or Euro-American. It doesn't matter. I mean, these things are happening. Um, there is another prophecy that says when women are not respected, then the end of time will come. Now, this this uh, is interpreted to mean that women will... As a matter of fact, one of the elders is very clear. He says what this means, Robert, is that the hemlines, the skirt lines, are going to keep rising and rising and rising. Uh, we will see women being used as objects, and, and certainly there are numerous cases from magazines, television, movies, etc. Uh, do we respect our women? I'll leave that up again to uh, the individuals uh, who are listening. But here's one that um, I found a little bit scary, and see if you can anticipate where I think this is going. Okay. Um, one of the prophecies says that men and women will be confused in their minds and hearts because of a mysterious fog or blanket. Now, when I first heard on your program about the HARP project Mm -hmm. and its potential, not just altering the atmosphere and creating uh, unusual uh, weather conditions and circumstances. But because of the frequency used in HARP, the very low frequency, which is known to affect the mental process, um, sure, it's not hard to go from there. We'll Precisely. Be, we'll be confused because of... Read that again, because of... Okay. Men and women will be confused in their minds and hearts because of a mysterious fog or blanket. Now, certainly a blanket of electronic waves or particles qualifies. The mysterious fog most certainly could be interpreted to be some of the end results of what this HARP project is about. So when I heard your program, when I first heard about HARP, I thought, oh, my God, here we go again. Right. Uh, These prophecies are being fulfilled. Uh, Another corollary. Children will be uncontrollable. Uh, that's old news now. Exactly. Uh, immorality and greed uh, will be everywhere. Um, the That the, might have been the 80s. Well, exactly. Now, um, if we continue, um, some of the signs, some of the prophecies that precede the end times, uh, they say things like uh, human beings will have evil intentions in their hearts, they will become greedy, etc. Those things, as you said, those are old half, those are old times. But one of the, the scariest uh, uh, prophecies for me was back in the 60s because I remember uh, Grandfather David, uh, I'm sorry, one of the Hopi elders talking about the prophecies, and he said that men's, men's clothing would be taken over by women. Women would start dressing like men. And, and at the time, of course, that was absurd. How, how could that possibly be? Well, not only has that been fulfilled, but we have begun to see the reverse. We have begun to see men dressing as women. This was a very faint little corollary to the original prophecy. In other words, the, the roles would be reversed. And certainly now men's cosmetics and uh, uh, anywhere from facelifts to uh, 
I mean, women have been getting implants for uh, various things. Now men are getting implants, implants in their calves, implants in their biceps, in their chest to make them look more muscular. And so the role reversal has already begun. Um, one of the prophecies says that men will be able to speak through cobwebs. 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 And the, the moment that I heard the net, <laughs> it's like I, a big web. You mean the web? You mean the web? The web. <laughs> We're talking about the Internet. Robert Morning Sky, hold on, take a break. We'll be back to you after the top of the hour. And don't forget, for the latest in photos of Hale-Bopp, it's the web at www.artbell.com. That's www.artbell.com. We'll be right back. Back now to Robert Morning Sky in the middle of an absolutely fascinating discussion about a procession. And, uh, Robert, one other thing I would like to note uh, that is very different this year is the weather. Ask the people in nearly any part of the country, uh, whether it's hurricane country, um, the northwest, uh, which has been plagued with uh, a flooding and um, a snow in Spokane, uh, that's taken down lines, uh, hundreds of thousands of people without power. The Northeast is getting absolutely clobbered. Uh, the weather has been absolutely strange. Precisely, and, and again, that's part of uh, what the Hopi prophecies had called for, uh, the, an indication that we would be in the end times was that there would be very unusual changes in nature, and certainly... The weather uh, fulfills the prophecy. Certainly, the uh, malformations of, of frogs and carp and other events, uh, unusual diseases, um, absolutely. And again, I, I have such mixed emotions about this because we've been making these predictions. Again, they're not mine. They're based on the decipherment of prophecies on our research. And we have mixed emotions because, oh, there's another one that's been fulfilled and right. vindicated. And at the same time, it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> uh, we were I know. right. I know. It, it's one thing to talk of them uh, sometimes es esoterically, I'm sure. And then it's another thing entirely to see them coming true. Well, exactly. And, and I, again, thank you very much for letting me talk to you about the Comet Hale Bob. It is a very significant event in the heavens. The procession that... Um, I have been trying to lay out for you this evening and in the facts that I sent to you, essentially says that after the arrival of the twins and when we see the long-tailed comet, um, and this is where I, I may have some difficulty and perhaps your listeners uh, have some insight I do not, but the prophecy tells us that after the arrival of the long-tailed comet, before the arrival of Bahana and the Purifier, and I'll talk about what, what they're going to do uh, here in a little bit, but the prophecy suggests that there will be the seven seasons between the arrival of the long tail and Bahana and the Purifier. Now, I have an interpretation that is very uh, native in its, in its perspective. I believe that seven seasons, as I was raised, as I was taught by my grandfather, that it meant seven hunting seasons, or essentially seven years. Right. Um, I believe that since it is a Hopi prophecy, excuse me, a native uh, prophecy, that it has or should have a native perspective. 
May I ask, uh, before we move on, you said a Hopi prophecy, then you corrected that to a Native American prophecy. Uh, is it just Hopi, or is this prophecy uh, interwoven with other uh, Native American uh, uh, tribes? The, the basis of the prophecy is Hopi. However, we have found that there are numerous parallels in other tribes uh, throughout the Southwest, and in fact, even down in Australia and, and uh, with some of the Maoris down in New Zealand. Um, I was just, just this afternoon, I was talking to a Navajo gentleman, a Diné, that's what they call themselves, and we were talking about the disrespect for women and how it is very easily clear that those things have occurred. So I am trying to uh, not ignore other Native prophecies, but the foundation of our work has been uh, the Hopi prophecies. And sure. that's why in this particular regard I did say the Native prophecy, because seven seasons, I suggest, or at least I feel, is seven years. Now, it has been pointed out uh, that perhaps it meant seven quarters, summer, spring, winter, fall, etc., in which case, if the comet Hale-Bopp is the long-tailed comet, and at this moment I am still persuaded that is the case, then perhaps as uh, early as, let's see, seven seasons would be, what, about 20 months, give or take, that we then should see the second large white comet. Well, I guess you could argue that Hale-Bopp might not be the long-tailed comet, but I don't think you could make an argument that it is not a long-tailed comet. That's correct. That's correct. Um, when I sent you the facts this afternoon and, and uh, I presented the possible scenarios, um, as I said earlier, that I, I thought perhaps Comet Hyakutake was one of the twins, in which case we were anticipating there would be another comet that would appear between the arrival of Hyakutake and the comet Hale-Bopp. However, uh, um, on July the 23rd, when we have that extraordinary circumstance, and again, it's documented. There are photos. There's, there's hard copy on, on the Hale-Bopp side as well as yours and numerous others. When the comet Hale-Bopp split into two pieces, when the photograph which talks about the mysterious eyes of Hale-Bopp, when I saw that photograph, I had to go back to the prophecy and look at it. And I must tell you, the prophecy does not tell us how long a period of time there is between the arrival of the twins and the dance of the long-tail comet. Um, it, is, it is most intriguing to look at Hale-Bopp and to see that on its approach towards the sun, that it has become a pair of twins. It has fulfilled itself, and that on its return... Um, and it, it will do its dance in uh, early April of 1997. Right. I am most fascinated with this comet because the, it, has, it has been able to fulfill itself. It is the long-tail comet. It is the twins. It is the, myst the mystery comet. It appears to have fulfilled all of these aspects. Now, I find that a very curious coincidence. However, I will also say that it is possible, as you pointed out, this is not the long tail, but a long tail. If there is a comet that will follow, let me, let me give you this potential scenario. We noticed that on April the 2nd, 1996, Comet Hyakutake was in a position in the sky 
that was exactly, or is will be exactly, where the comet Hale-Bopp will be on April the 2nd, 1997. In That's other words, they will be within, I understand it's two minutes of arc, uh, of the same point in the sky, exactly one year apart. Wow. Now, that speaks very strongly of the possibility that Hyakutake and Hale-Bopp are the twins. Um, if that's the case, we do not know then when the long-tail comet will appear, but if it does, it is going to make a show in the sky. As you pointed out a minute ago, or a little while ago, that the, the comet Hale-Bopp is going to have an extraordinary tail when it makes its uh, final showing. Yes. If comet Hale-Bopp is not the long-tail comet, and I must say that's a possibility, though I believe the evidence suggests otherwise. But if it is not, we're going to see an enormous tail. It has happened in the past. Comets have appeared that have had extraordinary large tails. But if Hale-Bopp is not the one, we are in for quite a show. When? There you've got me. I don't know. I am persuaded at the moment that the comet Hale-Bopp is the twins and it is also the long-tail comet. Again, uh, time will probably not permit, but there are numerous other processes that begin to indicate, and, and I'm going to have to uh, just, bear, uh, just very briefly mention that part of the research uh, of the confirmation of the, of the Hopi prophecies required us to take a look at all of the circumstances around Hale-Bopp. We had to uh, take a look at the crop circles, for example. I have been in contact with Busty Taylor and Colin Andrews. Mm -hmm. We have taken a look at some of the petroglyphs in the canyonlands of Utah and in Colorado. Um, we continue to find supporting evidence for the circumstances surrounding Hale-Bopp. It is possible, I must admit, it may not be. But it becomes almost daily overwhelming how close mm -hmm. uh, Hale-Bopp continues to be to the fulfillment of the, of the Hopi prophecies. All right. Um, Alan Hale and others, uh, Alan Hale being the co-discoverer of the comet, uh, has said, uh, particularly Alan Hale, I guess, uh, that as the comet grows closer, all of this mania will increase, and he thinks it's nothing but rumors and mythology and, frankly, a bunch of baloney. Um, cooked up, literally, uh, he will say, cooked up um, for, you know, whatever reason, sensationalist uh, reason. And I'm, I'm sure that you get some of that, too. And I wonder how you would answer somebody like that. I have been inundated with letters and phone calls and faxes with interpretations of what the comet Hale-Bopp is, and I'm sure that you have uh, probably infinitely more uh, numbers than I do. However... Many, many. I am trying to be very, very cautious here. Um, as I did a moment ago, and uh, in this report that we're going to be issuing on, on the companion figure here on Friday, I am presenting the evidence and saying, folks, you take a look at it, you make a call. I will admit again, I am not an astronomer. Right, I am, and, 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 and as you and others, we are subject to what we are being told. There are certainly extraordinary circumstances around, uh, surrounding Hale-Bopp, which the astronomers, the professionals, including the Hale-Bopp people, are telling us. And we have extraordinary circumstances surrounding, and perhaps it's a coincidence, that the Hubble, uh, Hubble telescope is not, uh, has not been studying the comet Hale-Bopp. What an extraordinary event, 
and yet it's not being monitored. And if it is, I'm sure you heard it too. Why have we not seen new <laughs> photographs? That's Why right. do we not have updates from something? I mean, I would I would think that simply focusing and a handful of shots at the comet Hale Bob would once and for all lay to rest all of, of, of what is being said. But it isn't being done. Um, well, at this point, it's it's uh, a, it's dueling photographs. I mean, some of the photographs of Hale Bob have shown Hale Bob. And that's it. Exactly. Uh, clearly, other photographs, many now, have shown something else there. So it's dueling photographs. That's what it's come down to. Let me, if I'm out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt the progression here, the Hopi prophecies, and I want to present to you uh, very briefly a scenario, a model that has been presented to us by a gentleman who at the moment will remain unnamed, but presented a model to us that suggests how several of the possible anomalies and mysteries around Hale-Bopp uh, are, are being handled by this model. They answer it very clearly. All right. Um, this particular gentleman has suggested, and again, he is a physicist, that if you have a cluster of bodies that have a magnetic field around them, in other words, if you could imagine a cluster of grapes, that have a magnetic field. This comet, we, we already have uh, several uh, astronomers, professionals, and, and observatories that are telling us that the comet Hale-Bopp is not only spinning on its axis, it is also uh, uh, tumbling. So it, it is falling forward and spinning. Now, if there is a cluster of bodies in the comet Hale-Bopp, and a cluster could be as simple as four or five. What we would see is as this, again, using the analogy of the, of the great cluster, as it is turning, there will be points at which perhaps uh, numerous bodies of the, of the great cluster face the sun, yes. it would be brighter. Yes. If the cluster turns slightly sideways and there are fewer bodies, the cluster, the reflected light, would be smaller. Or would be seen as one. Or it could be seen as one. And yeah. so if we have a cluster, and again, I spent quite a bit of time on the phone this afternoon, if there is a cluster, and I am persuaded that there is, and a cluster could be simply four or five bodies, it may be dozens, it is absolutely not unreasonable to expect that one grape on the cluster could have spun around for just a moment, 20 minutes or so according to the, the time that I've seen on the photograph, to produce the mysterious eyes. It could be one little grape dangling from the cluster, fluttering back and forth behind the comet mm -hmm. that uh, Mr. Shramick saw, that some of these other people have seen. Um, if you have a cluster and there is space between the bodies, the hitting of the cluster by solar wind and solar particles could cause extraordinary eruptions on the body. We are certainly seeing that. Yes. And... The, the cluster model appears to satisfy uh, or at least explain uh, reasonably some of the anomalies of the comet Hale-Bopp. Well, it's one good theory, but sure as heck, uh, Robert, there is something going on with that comet. Uh, exactly. The, uh, uh, the, the tail is in the, in the, in, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, we've got photographs, so I don't think anybody can, not, well, I guess they can if they want. Uh, at any rate, uh, so... We've got the comet, the long-tailed one, maybe. 
and Bahana. Bahana. Now, Bahana will look at us, according to Hopi prophecy. Yes. What, we, what the prophecy suggests is that seven seasons later, and again, my interpretation is seven years, seven seasons later, we should see the arrival of the great white companion. I am satisfied at the moment, I'll repeat, I'm satisfied that hale uh, fulfills the long-tail comet with the evidence that we have, the data that we have. All right. The story tells us that the, that the Great White Companion will pause prior to its arrival, return, its return to Earth. Now, if this is a heavenly body, if this is a comet... What the stories are telling us is that that comet, that body, is going to stop in its uh, trajectory, in its path towards the Earth. I find that astounding. I, I cannot, cannot begin to, for a moment, believe that that is describing a natural phenomenon. The purifier, which will come with the Great White Companion, will also pause and wait to see what the reception will be like on planet Earth. Believe me, that will get everybody's attention. If a couple of great things out there appear to head in our direction and stop... Exactly. And so, at the moment, I do not believe... I, I cannot, because I do not have the, the powers and the abilities and, and skills that perhaps some other people that I have heard that have called into your program or contacted you, I cannot say that I see the comet hale bop as a uh, spaceship, as a um, uh, some sort of a massive mothership, uh, I can't deny it. I won't deny it. But it appears much more likely that we have a cluster of bodies. Now, if I return to, to that thought just for a moment, sure. that model does not work if the comet is composed of ice particles. In other words, if the bodies are made up of ice. This model will only work if the uh, clusters are probably iron content, nickel iron content, and can hold a gravitational charge. So the magnetic effect you were talking about. Exactly, that's correct. Now, if you can imagine this, this cluster, if each one of these little clusters has a magnetic field around it, and as it is twirling and spinning, this cluster, these bodies, uh, let me oversimplify, if they rub together the magnetic fields would cause a discharge that has a very uniform motion to it. This could be interpreted as radio signals. And certainly we have heard that that is now becoming the case. Sky and Telescope magazine has announced that they are getting radio signals from the comet Hale-Bopp. So the cluster model can explain it. Now, do you have, by the way, uh, you don't happen to have that, that issue of Sky and Telescope, do you? Um, I would have to look it up. At the next break, I can do that, certainly. Well, the next break is now. So if you happen to be able to find it, fine. If not, we'll proceed. But that is very interesting. Thank you. I had not heard that Sky and Telescope said the comet is producing radio signals. Now, you know, I've heard that somewhere before. I just know that I've heard that. We're going to break here. Bottom of the hour, my guest is Native American Robert Morning skies. Stay right where you are. All right, Robert Morning Sky coming back now. Somebody just sent me this, an old Montana Indian tale. Each year, 
an Indian who lived in the mountains would come down and announce to the local farmers how bad the winter was going to be. One year, the sage old man predicted a particularly long and hard winter to come. One of the locals went to him and asked, Please tell me, how are you able to predict the weather is going to be so bad with such accuracy? To which the Montana, Montana Indian man replied, White man put up many snow fences this year. Um, <laughs> I take it that is not uh, the basis, of, but in a way it is, isn't it? Again, Hopi prophecy is derived not from somebody who went into a trance some long time ago, but by history repeating itself. That's correct, yes, exactly. All right. Um, now, back to the prophecy itself. Um, Bahana, the purifier, the purifier sounds a little ominous. Uh, yes, it, it's a pretty scary event. I mean, the possibilities in the Hopi prophecy go either way. Again, it depends on uh, how the Bahana, how the uh, older brother uh, is going to be received. But the purifier, should Bahana not be pleased, it, it is said that the purifier would descend on the earth and eliminate all those who are, again in quotation marks, uh, all those who are bad. And so... And actually, the prophecy, I have to say, continues on after that because it is said that should Bahana not, uh, should he not complete his mission for whatever reason, should the purifier be unable to complete his mission for whatever reason, um, then we have another uh, possibility, and it, it very clearly states, the prophecy states, that we should look for a black-haired man from the West. He will be recognized because of the cut of his hair, the, the shape of his hair. He will also be recognized by the shape of his abode, of his dwelling. Um, the black-haired man from the West would be accompanied by multitudes. There would be numerous uh, individuals who would accompany this black-haired man. They would, according to the prophecy, they would overrun the earth. <laughs> and should this occur, then the Great Spirit would descend and he would once and for all cleanse the earth again with a massive flood, and that would be the end of the fourth world. So Bahana and the Purifier um, will cleanse the earth of that which is bad. All right, if I can, let's back up for a second to Purifier. Um, if Purifier is sicked on us, and I, I, I think of Purifier as sort of a, a bulldog or something, <laughs> that uh, Bahana, uh, Bahana's going to look down upon us and sort of judge how things are going. Uh, and I would have to say things, uh, at least at the moment, are not going real well. Mm -hmm. So if Purifier is called, um, what will Purifier do? Okay. Um, in uh, the aspect about the Purifier, number one, we are told in the prophecies we would recognize the Purifier because he will be cloaked in red. He will wear a red cap or a red cloak. Certainly, if this is a heavenly body, we can uh, begin to project a comet that has a red aura or a red color to it. Um, 
Atomic Yakutake, for example, was very clearly showed a, uh, a bluish-green tinge, but the purifier will be red, excuse me, uh, red-cloaked. He will have uh, tremendous power. The prophecy says that all of the power of the world would be turned over to him in one day. Now, I do not know if that means surrender or if he will simply step in and take control of all the weapons, of all the uh, armaments of planet Earth, whatever those powers might be. Um, the purifier, and again, there's another sub-corollary to this. The purifier, it is said, would be accompanied by two, in quotation marks, great ones. And these great ones, one would, would wear the symbol of the sun, one would wear the symbol of the swastika. Um, wow. Exactly. I mean, the, the interpretation by some of the elders is that the two great ones that would, and, and the prophecy says that they will hold, grab hold of the earth, and that they would shake the earth at least four times. They would make everything rumble and tumble and shake. Part of the, uh, 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 the prophecy has been interpreted, this part has been interpreted by some Hopi elders to mean the swastika, Nazi Germany, and the sun, the rising sun of Japan. And most certainly, they just recently, uh, I shouldn't say recently, but about 50 years ago, shook up the world uh, in World War II. Um, it is, according to some interpretations I've heard by some of the elders, it is possible that World War II was one of those episodes in which the sun and the swastika shake up the earth. Um, the the two great ones who accompany the purifier, we are not clear as to um, the precise time frame. That's one of the difficulties with the prophecy. But um, one of uh, again, there, there's so many pieces to this, and I want to be very fair to both the prophecy and to your listeners. Um, one of the indications that the purification day is about to occur. It is said in the prophecy that there will be a day when the stars or when certain stars line up. Now, it is my understanding that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure one of your listeners know, isn't there about to be a lineup of the planets in the year somewhere 2000, 2001, 2002? That is correct. I think, it's, I think that it's 2001, but I'm not sure. Yes. And so one of the signs of the purification day is that the, these stars will line up in the sky. It is also said that um, a halo will appear around heavenly bodies. Now, I interpret this to mean that when you look up into the heavens, that you will see something similar to the sun dog or those auras that we see when the skies get polluted. Yes. Um, I would suggest that, again... That seems to be uh, fulfilled. We are seeing halos around the sun, around the moon, and it, I, I directly attribute it to pollution. It is also very clear, the prophecy is very clear, in that it says that we will see this halo appear around the sun for distinct times. Now, whether that is the corona from an eclipse, whether that is the uh, the aura that we saw, for example, when the volcano 
what is it, in the Philippines that exploded and polluted the air. Sure the, same thing, the same thing occurred when uh, Mount St. Helens exploded, and we saw the ring around the sun then. It is possible, and I think I can count at least three incidents where there appears to have been a halo around the sun. Mm -hmm. um, curiously, um, there is an Aztec prophecy, and I'm going to skip over a moment to uh, South America. There is an Aztec prophecy that is very clear in, in that it says that a serpent with a very long tail will appear in the end of time. That, in and of itself, again, begins to indicate the long-tailed comet. And um, perhaps, and this is, this is the one that is perhaps most difficult to, to decipher at the moment. The prophecy tells us, the Hopi prophecy tells us, that warriors will descend from the sky in the west. Their function is to liberate the Hopi and the good people from the clutches of evil. Now, warriors will descend from the sky in the West. Hmm. Uh, that one has been giving us, and I say us because I'm, I'm talking about my family and I, we've been having a little bit of difficulty trying to decipher that one. I, it, it is very likely, very specific occurrence. Now, whether that means an invasion... Whether that means, uh, in other words, an ID-4 or Mars attacks or something. Strange, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Yes. Um, <laughs> is, is it possible that this uh, phenomenal movie, uh, ID-4, mm -hmm. uh, is it somehow, I don't know. Hollywood, Hollywood prophecy, uh, Robert. Yes, I mean, but, but certainly <laughs> everybody is now aware of warriors descending from the sky. Um... Gee, I don't know. There was now, only, there was, is, there was only uh, Robert, one unrealistic part of that movie, ID4, you know, that uh, that we won. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, well, you're beginning to sound very much like a renegade. I got in a lot of trouble recently for uh, 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 not portraying the uh, extraterrestrials that uh, seem to be present amongst us uh, I got in a lot of trouble for not portraying them as uh, benevolent beings, but I, I, I am... Look, I'm on, your, I'm on your side. I, and I, I really don't care. I'm in so much trouble now all the time that it doesn't matter. My middle name is Trouble, so what do I have to lose? I am, I, I'm convinced that there's at least a 50-50 possibility that whoever they are, they're not friendly at all. And, in fact, all of history says that if we encounter... A lesser people, we have in almost every circumstance treated them shabbily, enslaved them, or otherwise uh, generally done them in. And uh, I can't see why that would not be true if some superior intelligence or intellect or whatever came to Earth. You know, I, I have to thank you again, Art. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your existence on this planet because I recently, back in October, I issued a statement in which I challenged that very basic premise, but um, wisely or wrongly, I did it at a UFO convention, and I said, look, ladies and gentlemen, how can you possibly assume that these beings who are either on their way or are here, how can you make the assumption that they're benevolent? Because let me tell you, folks, I come from a culture. I come from a world where we greeted with open arms and assumed that the beings appearing on the eastern shores were benevolent. 
and genocide, the decimation of a culture and a society is, you know, what occurred. We cannot go into an experience with other beings, as you described, Art. We cannot do that assuming they're good guys. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening, 200 years ago and earlier, the primitives of this world, the warriors, the good people of this continent accepted without question the, and with open arms the benevolent beings with the superior technology on the eastern shores, and look what happened to us. And look what happened. And again, go to ID4. Exactly. Let, let me remind you, at, up to and including the moment when buildings began to explode, killing zillions of people, uh, people were up on top of buildings saying, Welcome, beam me up, Scotty. I want to be part of this. Take me to your planet, all the rest of it. Well, they were the first ones to get blasted uh, in, in a way they got their wish. Exactly, and, and I would suggest that uh, we who call ourselves Americans, we who are part of this planet, global citizens, should not lay down our arms and blindly accept any being who shows up as benevolent. I'm just... I am so amazed that, that that is such a major part of, of the uh, UFO lecture circuit in general. And I thank you for, for agreeing with me. I got so much trouble. Um, gee, we're going to have to sit down on these days and, and commiserate or celebrate uh -huh. our renegadehood there, Art. Well, look, um, you know, if you're the same who can tell the difference between you and everybody else. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Now, uh a lot of people are going to have questions. Indeed, my phone lines are locked up solidly. But we really ought to go ahead and try and make it through as much of this as we can. In other words, uh, we've, we've arrived at the black-haired one who doesn't sound good at all. Uh, but there's even more, isn't there? There's considerably more. And again, there, there are numerous corollaries. I've been trying to give you as many of the pieces as I possibly can. We could probably be on for hours and hours. But essentially what, what is being suggested to us in the Hopi prophecies is that the arrival of the long-tailed comet, the arrival of Bahana and the purifier, are guided, whether one calls it divinely or extraterrestrial, the great spirit, whatever one chooses to use. What I am going to suggest and what the prophecies are saying, and, and I am very impressed with what I have read just this evening to you, what I am suggesting is that there seems to be direction be behind the comet Hale-Bopp. There seems to be direction between the oncoming bodies. There seems to be extraordinary circumstances behind uh, the events that we are experiencing. Now, just, and we could go on with this, but... On the day that the comet Hale-Bopp was announced to the planet, on July the 23rd, 1995, the comet was heralded throughout the planet. Now, back then, right afterwards, when you and I spoke back uh, last summer, I suggested that the comet Hale-Bopp was very likely the long-tail comet. Now, in Hopi prophecy... The spirit of the long-tailed comet, the chasing star, Nangasuhu, is recognized because he has a four-armed star on his face. Mm. This is the sign of the comet of prophecy, the long-tailed comet, the blue star, using my, uh, my terminology. Would you believe that on July the 23rd, 1995, only one crop circle appeared in England? It was a very simple round circle 
with a four-arm star in the center. No kidding. I find that more than a coincidence. Um, if you have a moment, let, let me give you some of the ancient Roman and Egyptian uh, prophecies that, again, begin to, uh, I believe, herald the comet hale Bosch. All right, well, I, I do want to get to that, and I want to get to uh, the Bible as well. But I want to ask you, before we get to the top of the hour, uh, were you able to locate the sky and telescope by any um, chance? I believe my little brother Mike took it, right. and I don't have it. And I, I really, I hope I have not misquoted the the magazine. I will, I will try and chase it down this evening. If not, first thing in the morning, I will fax you the issue and the quote. All right. Well, uh, in the meantime, somebody in the audience, please fax it to me, and we'll have it in minutes. Great. All right. Um, there's a lot going on with Egypt. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're all kind of being held in suspense right now about what may have occurred, or perhaps did not occur, at Giza around the 5th of December. Uh, there was supposed to be some kind of an opening, and there's a deafening silence coming from Egypt right now, and all my sources are dry, and nobody can tell me a thing. Uh, but where are the parallels between Hopi prophecy and what we have learned over the years from Egypt? Okay, um, I, I have been, I'm glad that you said that you couldn't get anything either because we have been desperately trying to get some sort of information. Nothing is happening, nothing is coming out. Right. I find that again, uh, very curious. However, Egyptian prophecies and essentially the description of the cycles of time because they too, as other native peoples, they speak about cycles. They speak about repetitions or patterns. Sure. Um, one of the predictions that we have made about, for example, the, the pyramids and the Sphinx, um, years ago when we were in Australia, we were suggesting that what they are going to find is that the pyramids and the Sphinx, including several other Egyptian structures as yet uncovered, that they would be oriented towards the stars of Orion. Now, we have already had plenty of evidence to support that. There's no need to rehash that. But one of the predictions we're making, for example, about the chambers in the pyramid, the larger chamber, which we have uh, accepted as the king's chamber, we're predicting that they are going to find evidence that it is not the king's chamber, but the queen's chamber. We are suggesting that what they are going to find under the sphinx if there are records, and at the moment I have a suspicion that they have already been removed, mm. but I suspect that if the records are located, if there are any glyphs, any markings, they will once again indicate one of two things, an orientation towards the stars of Orion, an orientation towards a queen, a female. <laughs> if you only knew how that's ringing bells out there. Uh, Robert, we're at the top of the hour, and uh, when we come back, shortly after we come back, I would like to be able to get into the phones because a million people have questions for you. Uh, can you can you hang in there for that? Oh, certainly. I'm enjoying myself. Thank you, Art. All right. Wonderful. My guest is uh, Native American Robert Morning Sky, and he'll be back in a moment. Tell me, have uh, we rung a few bells for you this morning so far? You're listening to the American CBC Radio Network. All right, uh, my guest is Robert Morningsky, Native American Robert Morningsky, and we have laid out for you in the last two hours Hopi prophecy as it surrounds possibly Comet Hale Bop. And
and what seems to be with it. And uh, here once again is Robert Morning Sky, and I want to go down just a couple of other avenues, and then we'll go to the phones. One is Egypt. Uh, we were uh, beginning to get started with Egypt. And what parallels, if any, do you see between Egyptian prophecy and Hopi prophecy? Okay, thank you. Again, um, in Egypt, uh, I made a couple of predictions earlier, but let me very quickly go into a very significant figure in uh, the repetitious cycles of ancient Egypt. There appears to be a figure that continues to surface. It is known as Sefech, S-E-F-E-K-H, uh -huh. Sefech, and it is literally a snail. Uh, if you can imagine a very kind of cartoonish figure, you have uh, a snail with a chubby little body, uh, a little uh, head with a little line attaching that's the neck that attaches the head to the body. Right. Uh, there are two antennae with two little knobs at the end of the antennae, and then at the tail end you have a little round knob on the tail. We have found that this snail is a figure that is very likely describing again the procession. The two twins are the, the, the antennae knob. The head is very likely the long-tailed. The second larger circle, which is the body of the snail, is probably the hana. And the little knob on the tail is very likely the purifier. Now, how do we come to this conclusion? The, the snail, besides being a relatively important figure, again, it depends on the individual as to whether or not they assign it any significance, but we find that the snail represents the number seven, literally the number seven. Hmm. We, again, are suggesting that that ties directly into the seven seasons or the seven years between the, the arrival of the long tail and the figure of the hana. One of the things that, that has now come out into the open about crop circles, one of those uh, old proofs, as it were, that a crop circle was a legitimate phenomenon was that the, uh, the circles of most of the, of the uh, formations had seven concentric rings, seven or nine, but generally seven concentric rings in the body. Again, we're drawn back to the number seven. Anybody who has been following the crop circle phenomena will know that uh, in the last two years or so, there have been an extraordinary number of snails, very clearly snails with the head, the body, and the antenna that have been appearing. Um, the, other, the other probably clearest, and I want to do this very quickly because I know that, that we've got time constraints, one of the Hopi prophecies very clearly says that a female with a horned head covering will appear at the end of time. Now, she is sometimes known as the horned toed woman, but she will be recognized because she has a crown that has horns on it. If we go back to ancient Egypt, once again, if we go back to both Samaria and Babylonia, we will find that the headdress that originally was the crown that represented royalty was a crown of horns. So we have a Hopi prophecy, and again, we don't have the time to elaborate on the horned woman, but she plays a very significant part in the end days. It is a sign of a symbol of royalty, regalness, and powers in ancient Egypt, uh, Mesopotamia, and Babylonia. We find numerous uh, instances where women play an integral part in the 
end times in Egypt, these ancient civilizations, even in some of the primitive societies, and I love the word primitive, I don't mean to denigrate, um, the uh, Maoris, the Aborigines, the Hopi, even in the Dogon, in some of the African tribes. Well, Robert, I'm not surprised. Women had an integral part of the beginning, and so then why not at the end? <laughs> uh, well, it would make sense. I am the beginning and I am the end. And again, I mean, we're, we're just recently uh, just completed another series of books, uh, excuse me, of tapes, in which we're describing the earliest religion that we have uncovered on this planet is a religion that is oriented towards a mother goddess. Now, please excuse me to your listeners and everyone. I am not an ISIS mother goddess follower. I am not in any way going to tie myself into most of what I see out there. But I am going to suggest that the oldest religion um, found in ancient Egypt, even in the uh, North American continent, even down in Australia, the oldest religion seems to be, I'm sorry, let me correct that, it is a mother goddess oriented religion. The oldest religious artifacts are female goddess oriented. We did a very, and we meaning my family and I have done a, a relatively extensive study of the linguistics of some of the, the, the breakdown of the languages, and we find that most of the words are oriented once again towards the women. So. Hopi prophecy in general suggests we are coming to a very significant point, a change in the way things are. And it is relatively clear that between the Hopi, the Egyptian, the Babylonian, and other cultures, that women play a significant role in the unveiling of the events to come. Well, I would only say to that it figures. Um, Robert, uh, I do want to get to the lines. Uh, if we can, but one last question, and that involves uh, the way the Bible looks at the last days or the end times versus the way the Hopi look at it. Do you see parallels there? Oh, absolutely, because again, uh, probably the clearest and most dramatic uh, correlation is that the return of the long-tailed comet, the chasing star, Nangasahu, the blue star Kachina, um, the way in which, one of the ways in which it will be recognized is that it will have a four-armed star on its face. I can easily see this interpreted as the Christian cross. Mm -hmm. uh, the return of the divinity will be signaled by the cross that appears in the heavens. I think one only needs to go through revelations and, and compare that to some of the list of which I have just recently read you, and uh, the, the, the parallels are <laughs> more than astonishing. They're very, very similar. And, and I think if you were to look at some of the, uh, the parallel revelations in some of the other religions of the planet, you'll probably find the very same thing. Well, when you uh, unwind all this as you have this evening, um, people have a tendency, I think, in, in, in the modern-day world, Robert, to ignore this kind of thing. And it's easier to ignore in the modern world uh, for a majority of the people. And that in itself is a, uh, is a sign, I believe, that, that people are no longer listening to ancient wisdom. We're ignoring the, the lessons of history. And, it, and it's sad to say that that's probably true. I know that um, I am just uh, turning the, the half-century mark here. And I'm finding that even the, the two or three generations of young folk that are here are ignoring the history, the lessons that we learned in World War II, and even in Vietnam. There, there are young folks out there who are voting, who have families, who are trying to conduct their lives, 
who truly have, if any, uh, they have a vague memory of what occurred in Vietnam. Most of them don't know what happened in World War II. And so even in our own brief uh, lifetime, we can see that the lessons of history are either being ignored or they're just not valid, they're just not important enough. And there's that old cliche that those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. <laughs> and that's precisely why I am hoping that we can put this uh, information out and say, look, these are what the documents tell us. These are what the records say. You make the choice, folks, because my family and I, we're, <laughs> we're preparing. We have uh, some ideas of what's going to happen. Uh, we could probably, as I say, go on for hours. Well, maybe we will, but I, I, I want to say this to you. I'm in a chat room right now on America Online in their uh, grassy old chat room in the Periscope area, and somebody typed a little while ago, uh, all this stuff that your uh, Robert Morning Sky is saying, probably get you killed. Well, I, I don't intend to go out for an evening jog again like I did last summer. I'm not going to get into any arguments with any automobiles. Um, certainly there are some topics that I will not discuss. Like what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, like what? That's what you're going to ask me. Like what? There are some topics that are politically sensitive i am sure that there have been uh, individuals on your program and other researchers who are aware that these processes are being fulfilled quite literally yes. and deliberately i am again going to and and i would love to be able to have the time to discuss the number 23 and its connection with with the comet hail bob if time permits however i suggest again there is a very deliberate there is a plan behind what is happening. I am not suggesting that we have a new world order or some sort of a conspiracy. I am saying that what the ancients talked about long ago, the Egyptians, the Anasazi, the Dogon, and others, they have told us that they were visited by star beings. They have told us that they have been influenced by divine beings. And I am simply suggesting that Everything that they have, to, excuse me, most of what they have told us is happening once again. And all I can do is, is my family and I are simply trying to say, folks, you take a look, you make a decision. But I would also strongly advise, watch the primitives. Watch what the primitive peoples of this planet are doing. All right, well then, I've got to ask you about one more thing. Uh, some fairly primitive people on this planet are Australian Aborigines, and I understand that you have been consulting with them as you have Hopi elders. That's correct. What have you learned there? Well, the, the stories in, in uh, Aboriginal Australia are extraordinarily close. They have been recently uh, trying to decide whether or not they would come forward with some of the knowledge, some of the wisdom that they have had. I'm, I'm fortunate to have uh, met a woman, an elder woman, Lorraine Mossy Williams, who has at some considerable risk to herself, because the political turmoil in Australia is not perhaps as stable as it is here. They still have young Aborigine men who uh, are, are found hung in their cells, they committed suicide while their hands and feet are tied behind their back. So without getting into the, the politics of it, it's a little more difficult to talk about the kind of things I'm talking about in a relatively more conservative society. But they are pondering whether or not 
to talk about these prophecies. I will tell you that this very afternoon I had a conversation with a local television station, a gentleman who wants to put part of this story on the air, and the loudest voice was another Hopi individual who believed that these words, these prophecies, what I am talking about, should not be shared because they belong to the Hopi. I find that very disappointing because to say that a non-Hopi would not understand because they are not Hopi is the same as saying he's not a white man, so he's not going to understand the white man's ways. Some will not understand. Uh, I, clearly, Robert, some will not. Well, that's true, but it's reverse prejudice. And, and you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate to, to be here. We did have an argument with an automobile. I do believe the, the, the term accident should be in quotation marks. But you and myself and other people who are truly trying to explore the truth, we find ourselves at risk. But there's only one reason why you continue, because it's right. We may make mistakes. We may make errors in our judgment. But at least we can... There, there's a, an old Native American tradition. Anyone who has seen the movie uh, Little Big Man might remember when uh, Chief Dan George at the end of the movie goes out. And he challenges death, and he raises his staff of life to the heavens, and he challenges death to come out and to fight him this right. one last time. And he says, it is a good day to die. Yep. Now, that, that's not wishful thinking. That's not a, a death wish. That is simply saying, you know, I did everything I could. I have a four-year-old little girl, and I want to be able to look her in the eyes when the Bahana appears. I want to be able to, to tell her daughter i did everything i could to tell them i may have made mistakes but daughter i tried history as far as i am concerned is not going to repeat itself in my family and with those i care about we need to explore every single avenue we must not be so civilized that we refuse to explore these possibilities so uh, my apologies, and I hope that I, I, I'm, I don't sound like I'm in a soapbox, but thank you, Art Bell, for being a renegade. Thank right. you, Mr. Shramick. Thank you for, to all the individuals who are trying to tell what they know. And uh, uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to me uh, in the last few minutes. All right, well, here come some of the ladies and gentlemen. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, sir. I want sir. to first say that neither one of you are in trouble with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, where is me? Where are you? My name is Marco, and I'm calling from Michigan. All right. Uh, first, I have a statement, and then I have a question. Uh, there's another prophecy in the Christian Bible that um, goes right along with the purifier. Um, it's mentioned that there would be blood on the moon before the end time. Gee, you mean the moon would be cloaked in red? Yes. Uh-huh. Fascinating. And, uh, Art, a couple of days ago, one of your guests, I don't remember who, mentioned the possibility of a gravity wave following um, the comet. That's right. And I was wondering if that could be uh, linked to taking the power of the world. If this wave does hit the Earth, we're going to have planes falling out of the sky. Motors may stop because of uh, magnetic fluctuations, things like that. Well, I don't know. I guess it, it could be. I, I appreciate the call and the comment. Uh, 
Uh, we did indeed have a guest who said something exactly like that. All right, Robert, what I would like to do is concentrate as much as we're able on the phones and see what people have to say, see how carefully they are listening. So when we come back, we'll do exactly that. My guest is Native American Robert Morningsky, half Hopi, half Apache. Briefly, uh, here's a question from Linda in Riverside, California. Art, could you please have Robert Morningsky tell the audience the name or names of his books and the publisher? I don't even know whether you've written anything, Robert. Have you? Um, yes, I have. I've written uh, four books, and uh, we have a series of audio tapes we've released and several uh, videos of some of the uh, appearances that we have made in the past. So we do have uh, plenty of material available. As a matter of fact, we're issuing a brand-new audio tape every week, uh, updates on the new material and uh, some of the events that are coming. Okay. How do they get it? Uh, easiest way is to uh, give us a phone call. Uh, my family is always here. We have a message machine. Should we not be uh, awake, uh, give us a call. It's area code 602-404-8050 or area code 602-404-8094. So they have two lines that they can uh, give us a call in case either one is busy. And my daughters uh, would be happy to uh, send them information or give them updates on uh, all these newest releases. Uh, I'm working right now on an audio tape on specifically the Hale-Bopp Companion, in which we, we try to sum up uh, some of the prophecies that we've uh, been talking about this evening. And we provide a transcript with the sources, reference uh, material, where they can look up some of these Hopi prophecies. They can, uh, uh, you know take a look at them and see if they have a different decipherment and uh, see what they can do with the information. All right. Uh, for my own good and yours, I need to give these numbers again. Uh, correct me if I got it wrong. Area code 602-404-8050. That's number one, right? That's correct. All right. Uh, phone number two is area code 602-404-8090. That's correct. All right. Thank All right. you, sir. Thank you very much. You bet. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Robert Morningsky. Hello. Hello. Uh, this is Eric calling from Los Angeles. Uh, good to hear you. Very, very fascinating stuff. I'm sure it, you it really are. Is. And just about everyone else out there does. A uh, couple of uh, comments culminating in a question. Before I get to that, I'd like to touch on Egypt for a second. I was recently at a Graham Hancock lecture in L.A., and Graham gave an update uh, saying that he was aware... He had mentioned that, uh, from what I remember, that uh, some people from a uh, university in the eastern part of the United States... Florida, are, Florida. Oh, Florida, okay. Uh, we're going to be going into Giza, and that he, he believed that uh, there were several chambers that uh, were apparently found, and that someone was going to go in and see something, and that apparently from uh, radar scans taken, that the chambers did not appear to be empty that they appeared to have some kind of uh, consistency to the inside, which seemed to be very fascinating. And uh, after the lecture, I had met somebody who had said that he was going to be going over there, a man who uh, is the kind of guy who does not like to publish his findings, but apparently has been doing research on many different things relating to the pyramids in Giza for a long time. And he had also mentioned that something interesting was going to be going on in Egypt there. And uh, anyway, uh, 
I don't know if that's any help. I think we're all just waiting to hear something solid. Uh, on to the uh, stuff about the uh, the cosmic stuff going on with Hale Bop and all the other uh, the uh, prophecies and stuff. Interesting stuff. I'm wondering, uh, Robert Morning Sky, if um, you believe there may be any connection to what we're seeing in the skies and what we may be expecting to see in the skies uh, in in other different kinds of appearances unrelated to Hale Bop in the future of uh, planetary catastrophism, or if you're aware of that study, um, Emmanuel Velikovsky kind of uh, seemed to kick that off. And uh, other recent writers, uh, such as a man named Donald Patton, who has written several books, who has actually been quoted by another uh, Native American author, Vine Delora Jr., in several books um, relating to prophecies. Um, I wonder if you believe there may be any connection. Well, I, recently I was invited to do a television program in which I began to very lightly touch, nowhere near to the extent that I'd, I've been able to do this evening, and I was immediately labeled by the uh, program's producers as a prophet of doom and gloom. In fact, uh, I do not see that at all. The prophecies suggest that only if um, we are not uh, one with the old ways, which certainly a case can be made for that, that there would be uh, a cleansing. Uh, frankly, I hear so many people that are saying, number one, the comet's going to collide with Earth. We have mm -hmm. absolutely no evidence to suggest that. Quite mm -hmm. the contrary, it is very clear that it's going to miss the Earth unless there is a deliberate uh, changing of course. I think, yes, that uh, some of the information that uh, Mr. Velikovsky has presented has a great deal of substance and merit to it. Uh, I don't believe that the universe, and particularly our solar system, is as stable as some of our scientists have portrayed it. Oh, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, an article in uh, Science News, volume number four, uh, 141, uh, February 22nd of 1992, uh, the, uh, was an article called Chaos on the Clockworks, which basically actually finally, for the first time uh, that many people are, uh, have been aware of, that actual official astronomers with credentials have actually come out and said the solar system is not necessarily as stable as we want to think and that it seems to be holding together by a thread and and uh, one of many different things could set off some uh, se severe cosmic ramifications which would obviously include earth um, it, you know a number of many things could set it off it is is quite uh, quite a uh, uh, delicate balance yeah, well i think that's that's absolutely true i agree with everything you said and and as i said some like mr velikovsky and i'm certain some of the ones that you have just quoted mm -hmm. we're basically saying the same thing i'm suggesting that the comet hail bop uh, according to these patterns in the past, according to the prophecies, mm -hmm. are telling, look, here is two, four, six, eight, ten is about to occur. Mm -hmm. We do have the ability to make some alterations, but what we need to do is we need to find out more about the prophecies. We need to find out what the ancients wrote to us. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think it's important that we do find out what is going on underneath the Sphinx. I think we need oh, yeah. to know, uh, you know, what's going on under some of the structures in Mexico and in China. There are oh, pyramids, absolutely. That, there are pyramids absolutely. that dwarf the uh -huh. uh, pyramids in Egypt, and we need to see what the records are that they sealed up uh, underneath these structures. And I, I am extremely dismayed with the uh, Antiquities Board in Egypt oh, uh, yeah. refusing to have legitimate <laughs> researchers go in and try to uncover it. Again, the, the phenomena for me of those individuals who have in one way or another been affiliated with an occurrence with 
a pyramid with a comet or something, and suddenly they become proprietary. Suddenly they become owners of the pyramid or the comet or something. Mm -hmm. Folks, we need, everybody needs to be able to access the ancient past. I really do believe that the secrets to the future, what is going to occur, lies in the records of the ancient past. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I completely agree with that. And, uh, I mean, it's our history, uh, collectively, uh, as a race, that, that we're talking about. And uh, every individual, uh, regardless of where you come from, what you do or what you believe, has, has a right to know about their history and where they come from. All right. It was a very, very good call. Uh, thank you very much. And um, I just had a message a little while ago from somebody, again, in this chat room that I'm in at the moment. And... They noted that you have a four-year-old, and their question was, how much of this have you shared with your four-year-old? <laughs> oh, you would be surprised. Uh, my daughter uh, speaks um, as, as best as a four-year-old can. She speaks both the Spanish, uh, English, and the Apache tongue. Uh, she has, I, I know this sounds unusual for a Native American. It may seem totally out of context. She has her own computer. She is learning, uh, she has a vocabulary that astounds even me. So she is well acquainted with, in quotation marks, the civilized world. But my daughter has also danced in powwows. She uh, competed in her first dance at the age of seven months, and she won a ribbon. She has uh, been to ceremonies. She has been up on the mountaintop. Um, we are sharing everything with her and simply... You know, being very straightforward and saying, look, this is how it happens in Phoenix, Arizona. This is how it happens in Old Oribe. Mm -hmm. This is how it happens in Sydney, Australia. My daughter has uh, received her her uh, uh, name in Australia. She was given the name Black Swan. So uh, I intend to share with my daughter and all my other children, meaning, uh, I mean, I adopt family members all the time, but... For Brian and, and, excuse me, Brianne and Matthew, Daja, Bobby, Autumn Wind, all of them. Um, I want to tell them, look, these are the stories of our primitive world. These are the stories of the civilized world. And uh, I, I really believe that the young ones know far more than we give them credit for. They have memories. They're much closer to their uh, cellular memories, their genetic memories, than we folks who have years and years of baggage to unlearn. So, but how does a four-year-old assimilate uh, the information at the very beginning of life that um, what's going on on this earth may be in its final days, not because of her behavior at four, but because of those who have come before well, we, do, we have not shared with her the idea that it's coming to an end. What we have said is it's going to change. Uh, as we have, for example, moved from uh, while I was performing, we were living on a guest ranch, and she could go riding on a horse every day. A daughter, it is now changing. Uh, we are going to another place, and it's going to be a different way to live. So uh, now she has the warmth. Uh, she has a mall that she can go walking around in. And so what we are saying is uh, there is a change. Now, yes, we could say, daughter, the, the living on the guest ranch with the horses, it's at an end. It's over. No more. But we prefer to say it's going to change. And, and I'm going to suggest the Hopi prophecies are telling us just that. Uh, I don't believe planet Earth is going to come to an end. I think that things are going to change. 
Uh, in some cases, I really do believe there will probably be the, uh, the light switch will probably go off, uh, probably permanently. To some people, it's going to be the end of the world because they can't plug in their hair dryer, they can't uh, plug in their cable TV. That may very well signal the end of the world to them. I'm suggesting it's a change. Uh, a lot can be wrapped into that word change, but I certainly follow you. All right, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Good morning. Where are you, please? I'm in Tennessee. Yes, sir. Uh, I just had a comment before my question. Uh, I heard your show last night, Art, and I just wanted to tell you I visited your website for the first time tonight. Ah. And it's very impressive. You uh, saw the photographs, sir? Yes, I did. Uh, can anybody look at all those photographs without saying... Hey, 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 something is obviously there, no matter what the so-called experts say. Dismiss these. No, there's no way that anyone could look at those and, what and say without doubting their own mind yeah. that there's something going on. All right. Uh, my question, you had mentioned earlier the, um, the Roman, and I believe you said the Greek prophecies. And I wanted to ask you if, uh, if the, the Roman prophecies were the only ones that you mentioned that I caught that were in the area of Europe or Asia. Um, do you see any similarities in that with the abundance of crop circles that seem to be uh, profoundly in the area of Europe, mm -hmm. mainly England? Mm -hmm. I mean, is there anything in the uh, Roman prophecies that differ from the others that would, you know, signify that this is a, a major area for that type of activity? Or I, I'm not sure I quite follow the question, but I will say that there are numerous uh, descriptions of, uh, for lack of a better term, gods of change, gods or goddesses that uh, do their, in quotation marks, they do their thing uh, in order to create change. Um, the crop circles seem to be a very clear indication that we are being signaled. Now, again, without... Um, because I don't want to take away the the work of, of a man whom I respect highly, Colin Andrews. Many of you may have heard about the the uh, film that has uh, emerged that has the uh, circles of light that are swirling around a, a, a grassy field. Suddenly the formation appears and they disappear. Absolutely. And, and there have been a lot of questions as to whether or not it's authentic, whether or not uh, this thing is, is actually happening. Um, and again, I don't want to take anything away from Colin because he deserves the credit for the work. I would suggest that he will very shortly make an announcement that is going to astound the world oh. and that you will have, uh, without a doubt, evidence that the crop circles are definitely a signal and that they are linked and we didn't have time to to get into the number 23 and why that plays such an, a crucial part but roman prophecies link the gods and goddesses of change uh to the hopi to the egyptian and specifically i think to the crop circles they are the contemporary um uh, what is it? The contemporary billboard. This is where we are being signaled in very clear uh, manner. Change is about to occur. All right. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Good morning. Hi. This is Maggie from um, Arvada, Colorado. Hi, Maggie. And um, I had a, a statement and a question for Robert. Um, about a year and a half ago, I was down in um, Ushmel, um Mexico, and um, after visiting the pyramid, I had a dream before I came home, 
and it was um, of a crop circle. And then when I came back to Colorado, um, I found Ron Russell, who does a lot of flying over and into the crop circles. And he also told me that it was a Hopi Indian symbol, and it was the um, the migration symbol because yeah. I um, well about. A couple of months ago, went down to Chimney Rock, and then Hopis were dancing there for the second time um, in that area. So they, some of the elders um, invited me down to the butterfly dance, and so they were telling me that that was the migration symbol. And I was just wondering if you could tell me any more about the migration symbol and if it has any connection with what you've been talking about. Well, the migration symbol is basically um, a sign or a mark that describes the path that the Hopi were uh, assigned when they emerged from an underworld. Prior to these prophecies, there is a story that, that tells us that the Hopi people emerged from an underground world onto this world through an opening in the ground that is called Shipapu. The Hopi, when they emerged onto this surface world, were uh, told that in order to live here, they would have to obey and to follow the instructions of the being responsible for Earth, who is known as Masao. Uh, Masao asked four separate clans to go in four different directions with a specific pattern in mind, a specific path. That is what has been known as the migration symbol. And one of the most uh, pleasing things for me in, in one regard is my conversations with Colin Andrews and Busty Taylor, in which we do find a lot of Hopi symbols seem to be repeated in the crop circles. Perhaps the best way to, to describe it is that it, they aren't specifically Hopi and they're not specifically crop circles. These are all signals from the ancient past. And the migration symbol is the symbol we see over and over again in the crop circles and petroglyphs. And for anybody who follows crop circles, let me suggest that if you take a look at the most basic pattern, you will see a small round circle with a line attached to a larger circle that follows. This is the uneven dumbbell, the uneven uh, circles. And I suggest that is screaming out to us the story of the long-tailed comet, the small one that precedes the much larger Bahana. My apologies, I wish I had more time to explain the migration, but um, uh, there, there are several good books on the crop circles, and uh, if you want, I can give you some uh, names of some of the Hopi books, which I would recommend. Okay. All right. Should I call that number then to get yeah. that? Yes, uh, you can call this evening. Uh, my, one of my daughters is still up, uh, one of my adopted daughters from Canada. I adopt a family. Karen is here tonight, and she'll help uh, you out tonight, or you can call in the morning. All right. Thanks very much. And, Art, I enjoy your show. Sometimes I don't get to hear as much because it comes on from 12 to, to 5, and usually I'm asleep. But I hadn't been asleep all night with this one. All right. All right. Thank you so very much. And, uh, Robert, hang tough. If you're good for another hour, we sure are. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying myself, Art. Thank you. Good. Uh, well, the phones are going nuts. So we'll be back shortly with Robert Morning Sky, half Hopi, half Apache, Native American, we're discussing uh, Hopi prophecy. If you will be quiet and listen with an open mind, uh, I think some alarm bells will begin to go off. And I would like to remind everybody, uh, this will be a four-hour program. Uh, you can get a copy of it uh, with all contained by calling 
800-917-4278. I wanted to get that out. Once again, the number to get a copy of this program is 1-800-917-4278. And that applies for any other program we do with a guest. 1-800-917-4278. I'm Art Bell, and we'll be right back with more. Stay right where you are. This is the American CBC Radio Network. All right, here we go once again with Robert Morningsky. Are you there, Robert? Yes, sir, I am. Thank right. you. Good. We'll try and devote this hour as much as possible to those who have questions in their legion. Uh, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morningsky. Good morning. Good morning. Entertaining show you have there. Thank you. Where are you, sir? I'm in Dallas, Texas. That'd be yeah. Cliff Country, KLIF. Yeah. Uh, say, I uh, heard a little while ago you mentioned Velikovsky. Yes. This is the same guy who claims that the moon was a comet that bounced between Jupiter and Venus before settling into orbit. And who also claims that hydrocarbons are a gas. And what my question is, is when you're dealing with scientists who make such really outrageous claims, how you can, how, how you feel that affects your credibility. Well, I, I personally did not, uh, I have not heard these claims that you've attributed to him, though it, it's very possible. My reference to Mr. Velikovsky, I, I did not quote him. What I was saying was that uh, if he is saying, as I understand him, uh, that the solar system is unstable, uh, I absolutely agree. Now, the specifics I, I may very likely disagree with. Because in, in, addition, in addition, to be fair, uh, caller, that was a caller who brought that up. Not Mr. Morning Sky. Okay, well, you know, I heard the name there, and, and it really concerns me when, you know, you make these predictions, and then you throw in names like, the, and, and someone who claims that a hydrocarbon is a gas, I mean, that's just totally ludicrous. Well, that, that may or may not be, but be it as it may, uh, Mr. Morning Sky did not bring up the name caller. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, have a good morning. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. We've got a lot of echo or something on this line. Yeah, I guess we do. It's a terrible time for such a thing. Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Mark. I'm calling from San Diego. All right, Mark. Uh, I was uh, struck by the uh, by Mr. Morning Sky's remarks about uh, the swastika symbol and the uh, the four star the star with the uh, four arms on its face and so forth. Uh, this sounded like or this reminded me that uh, Carl Sagan wrote a book about the time that uh, Halley's Comet was due in '86 and devoted a chapter to the whole uh, uh, history or evolution of the swastika symbol and how this was not the kind of geometric form that uh, appears in nature and yet it was uh, recognized in uh, in all these different cultures, primitive cultures all around the world. And he speculated. Now this is from Carl Sagan, Mr. Extraordinary Ideas Require Extraordinary Proof. He speculated that uh, this may have come from the apparition of a comet coming more or less straight at the Earth with outgassing from four sides as this thing rotated. And uh, he also made the point that until uh, the rise of Nazi Germany and the adaptation of the swastika as their emblem, that the swastika had been seen by... Uh, primitive cultures around the world as uh, 
uh, an omen of good tidings and so forth. And so I, uh, the two questions I have for the guest are uh, whether a swastika symbol is, uh, has any particular or appears or has a particular uh, relevance or reference in Hopi culture, and in a more general way, whether Hopi culture or uh, uh, Native American cultures share what uh, a lot of the world civilizations, early cultures, um, believed about comets, which was that they were portents of evil change. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, uh, go right ahead, Robert. Okay. Um, actually, I agree with uh, virtually everything that the uh, caller, I'm sorry, that Mark, this is Mark, correct? Well, um, that he had said because originally the, the swastika, and, and when I use the term swastika, it is not the geometric swastika that was used in uh, Germany in World War II. In fact, it is a round-armed uh, swirling figure. Uh, originally, the swastika in many cultures around the globe was a symbol of good fortune. Hmm. The Aryan swastika, the German swastika, is actually a mirror image of the original swastika. In other words, the German swastika was flipped over and it has a counterclockwise swirl, where the original swastika has a clockwise swirl. Generally, the swastika, and, and I suggest in the Southwest with the Anasazi and with other primitive peoples across the globe, that symbol had to do with creation. It had to do with migration. It had to do with the beginning times. I can easily surmise that the swastika could find its origin in the swirling uh, of a galaxy, mm -hmm. uh, possibly in a comet, uh, and, and again, uh, it is an interesting perspective, and it's, it's plausible, as Mr. Sagan says, a comet coming head-on would, would give off a mm. swirling swastika-like uh, pattern. And so the, the swastika generally is tied in with early creation with the beginning times. I would, uh, I would generally feel that it, it probably implies the swirling of the stars. We could get into the stories about the cosmology, how the universe was swirling and, and began um, but my feeling has been that it, it was tied in with the swirling of galaxies the swirling of the universe um, but it would not be altogether implausible that it was a comet headed directly for us so, right. uh, Robert, uh, let me ask you or press the second portion of his question and that is, in Hopi prophecy uh, why is or is or why is a comet apparently a harbinger of uh, evil or yeah, evil. Well, again, I think it's a matter of perspective. Uh, one of the first conversations that you and I had about the uh, Blue Star, which is, again, my name for the Hale-Bopp, one of the first conversations we had was uh, I, I welcome the change. I am looking forward to the insanity as we see it today. I'd like Ending. to see it end. Uh, I know that there are going to be some people suffering because there won't be any MTV or sports TV, etc. The end of time, truly. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, um, again, it's a matter of perspective. I, I know that there are many cultures and societies who have viewed comets as harbingers of doom, as harbingers of uh, bad tidings. Um, again, I think it's perspective. I think it means change. And for some people, it's not a good thing. And for a few demented, few renegades, um, I think change is something we look forward to. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, the number 23, I can't let you get away tonight without covering the significance of 23. 
Well, thank you, I really, because this this is a piece that we have recently uncovered and that has uh, uh, continued to uh, astound me. Uh, earlier, I, I began to talk about some of the Roman gods and goddesses who uh, were tied in with uh, times of change. Um, for example, in in Rome, uh, they they tend to have more holidays that they have, excuse me, festival days that they have contributed to our calendar. In Rome, the god Terminus, who was the god of boundaries. The celebration of the day or the feast of Terminus was on the 23rd of February. They also, the Romans, also celebrated the sacred day of Laurentina. Laurentina was an earth goddess, and uh, she was the one that celebrated the old year and the new year, the potential of the new year. So she was a goddess directly tied into change, changeover, a change of eras. Uh, Medusa, the crone of spiritual release, her her day was celebrated on the 23rd also. I'm sorry, Laurentina, uh, her festival day was the 23rd of December. Hmm. Um, and uh, fascinating that the I Ching or the I Ching, depending on the individual, uh, an old method of divining the future in the Orient, mm -hmm. the uh, I Ching uses tiles that uh, are, depending on the progression, they, they tell your future. But we found that the 23rd hexagram, the 23rd tile, literally means to break the line or a time of change. Hmm. Now, we can come up again with numerous instances in which the number 23 indicates, uh, at least to the ancients, a time of change. Well, I stumbled on this by accident. Allow me to very quickly go through the data on the comet Hale-Bopp. Please. Hale-Bopp was discovered on July 23rd. 1995. 666 billion miles from Earth. Right. On July 23, 1996, the comet Hale-Bopp uh, split into its two separate bodies, the mysterious eyes. That's right. And we've got that photograph if you want to see it, folks. Exactly. On March the 23rd of 1997, the comet Hale-Bopp will be at its closest point to Earth. It's going to be one million, excuse me, 123 million miles from Earth. Now, this is data, folks. This is not... No, it is true. It is true. The projected orbital return, originally projected at 3,600 years, the new projected orbital return of the comet Hale-Bopp is 2,364 years. <laughs> now, we, we again said, oh, what's going on here? We, um, I'm sure that all your listeners know that there are 23 chromosomes in the male sperm, 23 chromosomes in the human, excuse me, in the female egg. It takes 23 pairs of chromosomes combining together to create a change in the womb of a woman. This is called birth or an infant. Wow. We have found that the, the DNA filaments, that every 23rd angstrom, there is an irregularity. For some reason, there is an, an, an irregularity, a defect, a change in the 23rd angstrom of the DNA. We then began to look, could the ancients have been trying to uh, signal us, or were human beings, the ancient ones of Earth, trying to signal uh, the gods? We found, for example, that the west side of the Great Pyramid is 230 meters in length. The east side, the north side, the south side are all 230 meters in length. Coincidence, I'm sure. The sure. estimate that we have of the number of blocks in the Great Pyramid, 2.3 million blocks 
in the Great Pyramid. Now, the the um, we, we could go on and on. There is a, a physical cycle, for example, in biorhythms. Uh, there is a rhythm that says that every 23 days you peak physically. Okay, uh, take a look at the sun. We found that there is a cycle in the sun. Every 11 and one half years, right. the poles flip. The That's north right. pole of the sun becomes the south pole. Well, they begin to detect sunspots with the opposite polarity. That's correct, exactly. So what we have is an apparent 11 and a half year solar cycle. We have solar sunspots and storms every 11 and a half years. By the way, um, there are reports, credible reports, saying they have just detected uh, sunspots of the other polarity. It has just occurred. Really? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, the, oh, I'm sorry. And the point being that when the uh, polarity reverses itself, in order to return back to its original position, we have a 23-year cycle. Now, it goes beyond that, folks. The planet Earth is tilted from direct vertical axis, 23.4 degrees from vertical. The highest point uh, north latitude that the sun rises in the, in the summer is, guess what, it's 23.4 degrees. This is known as the Tropic of Cancer. The lowest latitude south that the sun reaches, 23.4 degrees, Tropic of Capricorn. Um, we can go on and on and on and on about this thing, but, but what was most fascinating was that the comet Hale-Bopp continues to uh, bring forward the number 23. It could be an amazing coincidence. We took a look at the comet Hyakutake. We found that um, at its closest point uh, to the sun, Hyakutake was 0.23 astronomical units away. Again, a massive coincidence. However, let me make one last uh, comparison here on the number 23. We've got pages and pages of 23, and it's data, folks. It is not opinion or perspective. It's data. Is the contemporary world, is NASA, is our government aware of the number 23 and its significance, meaning change? We began to take a look at the Apollo program. I don't want to get into some of these unusual uh, uh, facts that I have heard. But we found that Apollo 11, the very first landing on the moon by human beings, occurred at a landing site that was 23.5 degrees east longitude. Great. What a coincidence, Robert. But guess what, folks? Apollo 12, the very, very next landing on the moon, occurred at 23.4 degrees west longitude. I am going to suggest to you that the, the uh, powers that be on the planet today know something. One last one, I apologize, in regards to Native American prophecy. Not long ago, in the year 1994, a lot of Native American elders flocked from around the country to go and see the birth of a white buffalo calf. Right. Now, this was significant because generally uh, prophecies of Native America suggest that in the end times, a white buffalo calf would be born, and it would be a female. Curiously enough, a white buffalo calf, a female, was born on September 22, 1994. Now, why is the 22nd significant? It is the eve of the day of change. John F. Kennedy assassinated on November 22nd. And the last day of the Mayan calendar... December 22nd in the year 2012. So do you think March 23rd of 97 will be an interesting day? Absolutely. I, I am <laughs> on pins and needles. I, I don't know 
to expect. I, I would love to be wrong about this stuff, but uh, I do believe the 23rd of March is going to be highly significant. Robert, is... do, you, do you think that something will occur for which traditional science has no explanation? I think we're already experiencing that, but it's, it's one of those things that uh, I believe on March the 23rd, I'm going to agree with you. I think we're going to have something in our face. Something absolutely undeniable. And, by the way, um, I was just uh, going through uh, some of uh, Jose Arguela's uh, data, and uh, he um, I discovered that there was a grand trine, which means seven of nine planets were all lined up, and they occur only once every 23,000.4 years. Hmm. Uh, Yes, folks, it could be an extraordinary coincidence. Um, but, as I said, uh, if they want to call and find out, we'll send them the information and let them decide for themselves. All right, Just there you have it, look. folks. 23. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Where are you calling from, please? Hello there. Hello. Yes, sir. Yes, I'm calling from uh, Madera, California, just outside of Fresno. All right. And my name is Alan, and uh, he kind of lost me. He talked about a uh, snail and seven, the number seven, and uh, that was one of my questions, where, where the snail and the seven were. Uh, what... Seven seasons, sir. Uh, probably hunting seasons or right. waiting to years. Uh, he talked about the crop circles and the snail. Yes, there are numerous crop circles that have uh, shown up with the snail as the central part of its uh, formation, yes. And again, these snails, uh, I wish we had more time, uh, can easily be tied into some more complex, what are called pictograms, in which we see uneven dumbbells, and we see the number seven appearing again and again. So I wish uh, we had had more time, my apologies, but the number seven is tied into the seven seasons between the appearance of the long-tailed and the hana. All right, Robert, hold it right there, and we will be right back. This is CBC. Robert, morning, Sky, and this just in from AP, actually from a listener, listening to uh, WWTN in Nashville, uh, Associated Press, Mountain of Ice, an iceberg the size of Rhode Island that sheared off the coast of Antarctica could drift for 10 years before it ever melts. The berg measured about 54 miles by 27 miles. Now... That's more than 1,400 square miles when it split from the coast of East Antarctica in May. According to Australian scientist Neil Young, its sheer walls rise 100 to 160 feet above the waterline, descend about 1,000 feet below it. Australia's Antarctic Division, which is tracking the fragments by satellite, said it may be 10 years before they drift north into warmer water and obviously melt. Robert? Well, I tell you what, it's very interesting. I was just, as you were reading the the uh, uh, article, the announcement, I was taking a look at the prophecy, and what it says very clearly is that the poles will release their frozen waters. Mm -hmm. um, I, I may have made an error by saying that it would melt, but the poles will release their frozen waters. Well, if they do that, uh, eventually. Uh, that which is released will melt. It'll get to warmer water. And even uh, conventional wisdom scientists know what that will do to the coastal areas. 
One quick question for you from a listener. How do we prepare for the coming events, the change spiritually and physically? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do again is we need to look at, uh, one, the old records, the old documents. Uh, what is it that's going to happen? And, and uh, I've got to tell you, I am I'm very honored to have had the chance to share so many of the pieces of the prophecy with you. These are things that we can look for uh, so that we can begin to uh, set our house in order, so to speak. Uh, spiritually, mentally, physically, there are so many things. My apologies. Uh, I, at best, I can... Um, boy, I would have to simplify and say that one of the difficulties I have with uh, many of the lecturers and speakers uh, in the... Uh, on the professional circuit today is that they they say that we should wrap ourselves in light now without getting into the debate the original linguistic root of that word light was actually enlightenment what we should do is wrap ourselves in enlightenment we should learn what it is that is being said what it is um, or what it is going to take to survive when the electricity goes off. In other words, I suggest we need to be self-sufficient. We need to know how to survive under conditions from no electricity and no air conditioning to literally being able to survive out in the mountains or the forest, the desert, uh, wherever one might be, uh, camping skills on steroids, so to speak. How many people in modern America do you think are prepared for that? Oh, <laughs> Uh, modern America, I, boy, I would be hard-pressed to, to think, I, I would be pleased if it was 2 or 3% it, that, that would be prepared. All right, um, let's go back to the phones. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Good morning. Hi, this is Sam from St. Joseph. Yes, and sir. I've got a question. Uh, is, is this comet, this Hellbop comet, is it, are we going to be able to see it with the naked eye? And if so, where do we look? Uh, the answer is uh, clearly yes, and in uh, at the end of March, the beginning of April, I guess uh, the peak moment around the 23rd, uh, you will indeed be able to see it. If it meets expectations, uh, its tail uh, is said to perhaps cover as much of the quarter as a quarter of the sky. Long-tailed comet, indeed. So that's the answer to that question. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Good morning, gentlemen. This is Bill from Youngstown, Ohio. Hi, Bill. Hi. I wonder if you could not cut me out until I hear the answer since you went off the air 45 minutes ago. In Ohio, yes. Uh, I wonder um, if this uh, prophecy has been speculated. Uh, Jesus made a very, very aggressive prophecy. I remember from childhood. I don't know which gospel it's in. And it's something to the effect that without warning, the sky would be filled with uh, angels. And then he gives some admonitions, the two of which I remember. Uh, one is, if you wake up, don't wake up your spouse, run. And there's another one, if you're in a field, don't tell anybody else, just run. It almost sounds like, you know, the the, the boat leaves at 8.04, and if you don't get yeah. on it, you're going to miss it. Yeah. Could that relate to this? All right. Um, absolutely. Now, the last two... Uh, um statements that you made about waking up in uh, leaving your spouse and in the field running uh, I personally am not familiar with that it, it rings a very vague little bell but I don't specifically recall it however let me go back to the um, the signals of the end of time um, once again one of the prophecy corollaries says that there will be warriors 
that will descend from the sky yes. to liberate the Hopi and the good people. Now, again, in Native America, normally warriors uh, adorn themselves with feathers and, and uh, long flowing tassels and robes. I can very easily equate the image of a warrior in feathers and, and what may appear to be wings with angels. So I would suggest that that is very close to the uh, prophecy that the sky would suddenly be filled with angels. Fascinating. Um, fascinating. I, w whether you listen to Hopi prophecy or people who divine their information otherwise or modern-day prophets or even... Catholic prophecy of Father Malachi Martin. Everybody seems to be saying more or less the same thing. Uh, different paths, but very much the same thing. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Good morning, everybody. This is Anonymous and Accent Free. Love your art, your show art. Where are you? Um, Roughly. Uh, Iowa. Iowa. All right. Yatahe. Robert. Thinking about twins, you mentioned the white buffalo calf, and are you aware of the other one, May of 96, on the Pine Ridge? Yes, I am, and okay. I'll tell you something that, that is, again, uh, it is a, a, uh, a secret that I think has now been revealed to the public. Um, yeah. One of the, the uh, proofs, so to speak, or the confirmations that an event is significant and that it participates in prophecy is that it always appears in pairs. For example, the beginning of the procession uh, it is necessarily a pair. It needs to be twins. Many of the elders did not speak of the fact that once that first white buffalo calf was born, and it was a female, it was absolutely significant, but it was only the first one. In order that the, the prophecies be confirmed, it was absolutely necessary that a second one be born. And when the uh, second one was born in, uh, what was it, 96? Yeah. Yes. May it absolutely time. confirmed that this was the harbinger. This was the sign that the end times are imminent. And uh, Native American elders uh, across uh, the United States had to go back home and start making decisions as to whether or not they would speak out on what they knew. So, yes, I'm aware of it. It is the confirmation that uh, the prophecies are being fulfilled. I also heard about the birth of the second one, by the way. Ah, um, one more thing. Uh, this is documented public knowledge, so no big deal. Um, Grandfather Benyakia, the House of Micah, December of 92. That's correct. Thomas Benyaka yeah. uh, approached the United Nations. One of the prophecies said that in the end times that the uh, Hopi elders would have to go to the house of Micah, M-I-C-A, and that they would have to address the uh, distinguished people there, even though it would take as many as four times for the address to be heard. Uh, yes, that's another corollary in the prophecy. Yes. But the documented thing that's alongside of that, and I don't know if you have, is that out of the blue tidal wave, simultaneous to his calling of spirits and speaking for the whole ten minutes he got, and that hailstorm in New York, which has been the beginning of all these natural, strange weather things. Um, I, I'm familiar with the occurrences of the weather, the hailstorm. Um, I, I cannot uh, assign that as day. the beginning of the changes. I think that they were already going on. I think it was a confirmation of, uh, again, the prophecies that, that, the, that Micah, the house of Micah had to be addressed. Also, let me just very quickly say, because I know we're, we're getting to the end of your program, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. 
I want to emphasize again that I am not an elder, a spokesperson. I, I, I only represent myself. And in regards to these processes, uh, I have not divined them. I am not a psychic. I mean, what I am presenting to you is based on very hard research. It took me 30 years of working not only on these prophecies, on crop circles, Egyptian, etc. Um, I really want to make very clear to your listeners that I am not a psychic and I have no special powers. This is, uh, this is a nobody with no credentials who's done a lot of hard work. And uh, surprisingly, or perhaps not surprisingly, I find myself uh, providing information that seems to support prophecies from, as you said, Art, the Bible, uh, Catholic, Roman, sure. uh, Egyptian, Hopi. Sure. Uh, it's a fascinating place to be. I came to this place out of hard work and research. Well, anybody who is quiet and listens, uh, not just to you, but to many others, has got to conclude that there is something going on, that there is really something here. It's coming from too many sources and sounding too similar to not be true. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morningsky. Hello. Yes. Uh, good morning, Art and Mr. Robert Morningsky. My name is Christopher, calling from KHC in Monterey Park. Yes, sir. And I had a question. Uh, I really want to commend you on, on a great show. And for you coming on the air, you and Robert, and giving a lot of information. It's very uh, uplifting, I find it. And I had a question for uh, Mr. Morningsky. All right. And I was uh, wondering what he thought, like, as far as if he can collaborate, maybe, like, uh, on... What maybe the messages from Garen Bedal of Spain and how Father Malachi believes in those, uh, uh, I guess, visionaries that had, and that there would be a celestial worldwide warning, and it would be occurring around April, I guess. And also another question is that um, it would be great to get uh, Father Malachi Martin and... and, and uh, well, you, you well know what uh, Malachi said, and uh, I'll just the leave it there. Between uh, winter of 96 and spring of 97? You got it. <laughs> yes. And I was wondering what he, uh, Robert Morningsky thought on, uh, what his thoughts were on that. Well, I bet he thinks synchronicity, but Robert? Well, I think absolutely that's the case. Isn't that a fascinating coincidence? <laughs> I am not familiar with uh, all of the prophecies you've been talking about in the comments. I, I'd be, be very honest, I have not had a very good experience with the uh, professional circuit. I don't know if this gentleman is on the circuit. I have stayed very... Uh, clear of a lot of the other prophets and prophecies and, and uh, visionaries only so that um, I not be, let's say, suggested or, or uh, led. Um, however, I, I guess it is not a surprise that uh, what we are saying and what this other gentleman is saying is, uh, gee, what a remarkable coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with uh, Robert Morning Sky. Good morning. Hello there. Going once, going twice, gone. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morningsky. Hello. Yes, good morning. This is Tom in Minnesota. Hi, Tom. I, first of all, I'd like to point out there are 23 essential amino acids that make up our body. Huh. Uh, also, uh, Robert mentioned briefly uh, they may already be here. My question uh, regards the extraterrestrial contact as we're seeing it now. How does that relate to this whole aspect? All right. I missed the last part of the question. He, he's asking extraterrestrial contact and how all this relates to what you're speaking of. Um, boy, a good question. And uh, all I can basically say is that um, 
I, I think there are numerous researchers and, and writers out there who have suggested the very same thing that we are saying in our books. We're saying that extraterrestrials have been part of our, our past. They have been part of ancient history. Um, we have gone a little bit further and said that uh, extraterrestrials are, in, in fact, responsible for the divine intervention in evolution that resulted in man. Natural evolution alone would not do it. Uh, there has to be in intervention of some sort, and uh, whether it be extraterrestrial or divine, again, there is an outside influence. We have suggested, however, that if they were present once long ago, the question that has to be asked is where are they now, where have they been? My position is that they have never gone, that they are present, mm -hmm. and that they reside with us. The reason we don't recognize them is because we're not taught to look for the differences. We are, in fact, created in the image of the divine. We are the children of star beings, as the Aborigines and Native Americans say. We are created in their image. The difference is that, you know, I, I don't think there are a lot of people who could tell the difference between a barn owl, a great horned owl, the different uh, species of owl. Um, but... Uh, there are human beings walking this earth that we uh, consider to be uh, earth-born and part of it. I'm going to suggest that there are uh, extraterrestrials present and uh, well and alive in our society today. Unfortunately, time doesn't permit. I believe that, um, yes, some are benevolent. I believe that some have assisted. In the Hopi world and in Native America, some of these beings have interfered with, punished, and actually been uh, the demons that we have portrayed in, in many of the religions. There, there has been an ongoing relationship with star beings since mankind was created. Again, with, uh, without it sounding like a commercial, I would only refer you to my book in my position as, as to where we stand on that. They have always been here. All right, I'm going to give out the two numbers for people to get your materials. And they are... Area code 602-404-8050. That's 602-404-8050. The other number, also area code 602-404-8094. That's area code 602-404-8094. And these numbers are actually coming right to you and your family, aren't they? Yes, sir, they are. They're, they're here to my home, my office, and my house. You're going to be busy. Well, I hope, sir. I, I really hope that's the case because I really think it's a significant time. And in these last couple of moments, Art, again, to you and Mr. Shramick, thank you for, for starting the, the new examination of the Comet Hale-Bopp. Thank you for being such a demented renegade. It has been an honor for me to uh, speak to you these many times. And uh, keep going, Guy. Uh, you've got a feather in the makings there. Thank yeah, you. That, that's me, a demented uh, renegade. <laughs> and um, I, But again, I say, you know, if, if you don't do something different, then it's not possible to discern the difference uh, between yourself and anybody else because everybody else out there is following right along in certain prescribed uh, footsteps. Now... You've really had your neck out for a long time, and there have been a lot of people who have taken a chop at it. Are you going to remain uh, low profile? Are you going to not be making many appearances as you have not been? Um, I will probably be very, very, um, very, very picky about what I'm going to do. Uh, time again did not permit. We are about to uh, begin a series of new workshops in January and February, one a month 
in which we're going to present not just the prophecies, but we're going to talk about the world's oldest religion. We're going to talk about, uh, God help me for saying the words, the mother goddess religion. And uh, I can only sum it up in this regard. I really do believe that the future of mankind lies in the hands of womankind. And that the comet Hale-Bopp, the events that are about to occur, must have the full participation and uh, have women at the helm, but they must be supported by the uh, men of the planet. Well, you know, that just doesn't surprise me, because I, as I said to you earlier in the show, Robert, women uh, were here and instrumental in the beginning. Doesn't it make sense? They would be here and instrumental in the change. You have proven yourself a demented renegade, sir. <laughs> All right, Robert, thank you so very much. It's, uh, I think, coming up on 4 o'clock there in Arizona. Yes, it is. And again, thank you very much for having me on, Art, and I do appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to be with you and your guests. Thank you very much, and keep doing what you're doing, guys. Good, good night, my friend. Good night. All right, that's Robert Morning Sky, and I hope you have enjoyed that. I knew it was going to be good, and if you listened carefully and quietly during the preceding four hours, I'm sure you had a lot of alarm bells of recognition go off. If you did not hear all four hours, or you would like them chronicled for you, we do that. We have a service now that does a very efficient, fast job of getting tapes out to you. They eliminate the news and the commercials, and they give you simply the content. You can get a copy of this program, chronicled so, by calling beginning now, 1-800-917-4278. I want to be clear that you get that number. That's 1-800-917-4278. When we come back in a moment, we will do an hour of open lines, and you'll get an opportunity